Welcome. Y saludos, amigos. A nuestra presentación, Revenge of the Pod, a pop culture pod that is primar primarily focused on movies and television. I couldn't get that out, guys. Sorry. Uh, I'm Luigi. I'm your host. And this is my co-host. Jason, what's up, everybody? Uh, presented by Room 303. Uh, we have a special episode for you guys today. Uh, Barbenheimer episode. I'm excited. I'll let you take it from here, Luigi. <laughs> All right, Jason. Exactly. We've got Barbenheimer. We have a little bit of box office news about it just because it has made a pretty big splash. Uh, we're going to have a few little trailers for you guys. Nothing big. We do have a lot to talk about in our feature presentation for Barbenheimer. But I did want to talk about two things that I watched recently since we have been off for two weeks. Sorry, yeah. guys. I was out of town. So I apologize, listeners. I was out of town. Uh, so we've got all that for you, but I did want to introduce our guest. As you can see, we've got a full house today, guys. Um, Eric, say hello, Eric, from Room 303. E-P-E, -E, Eric. Uh, Tom, say hello. Often yeah. guest and new to the pod. Glad to have her on. I needed a good female opinion for Barbie Angelica, my sister-in-law. Uh, thank you for coming on. Hey. <laughs> all right just burped because i got the nervous burps <laughs> no you're good you're good um i'm gonna start with concession stands with jason uh and then i'll ask you guys a little bit about how y'all been all right so jason how you been first man how you doing oh been pretty good man uh obviously we saw uh, two movies this weekend Barb and Hyper, we had to make an episode. Reason why we we're on hiatus, guys, uh, we had, had someone actually visit me uh, over the weekend. Uh, actually, not someone, some people, and it was very fun. Uh, Luigi, got to see Luigi for the first time in uh, how many years? God, I think I since Cole's... Uh, Cole's wedding, right? Yeah, Cole's yeah, so wedding. It's been about three years. Uh, yeah. Eric uh, also came to visit us with uh, the homie Jermaine. Uh, it was real fun. Uh, yeah, we did. We forgot to invite Thomas. <laughs> Although we we kind of invited you, man, in the group chat. We we're like, hey, man, come on down. Yeah, I must have missed that one. Yeah, I think I think uh, he thought we were joking. <laughs> I thought we purposely didn't invite him so we could actually have fun, but yeah. maybe I misunderstood I the situation. It <laughs> yeah, um, it was kind of funny because uh, uh, our the reason why Luigi came down to visit was to visit his uh, niece. Yeah, yeah, she's our niece, right? Yeah, she's our niece. She's like our niece, but she's not our niece. Uh, to come visit her, uh, her, so he was staying with our buddy Cole, who is a, a listener, I think. I don't, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> kind of, right? <laughs> uh, came, came to visit him, so he's like, he was, he was supposed to plan everything, but uh, it kind of was put on my hands after that. Uh, we got to take Luigi out to a couple of restaurants. I hope you liked it, man, um, and I hope you had a good time. And uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. I know we went to the river. Uh, we got sunburned. Oh, I got sunburned. You can't even see it anymore. My skin's still peeling, though. And uh, I ended up getting bit by a wasp, dude. Uh, that was not fun. <laughs> no, um, but you took it like a champ, okay? You took it like a fucking champ. Yeah, that uh, should hurt. <laughs> obviously, you guys know some of what I did already. Uh, that was the same. Eric was there. And I got to see Thomas, too. I went to see Oppenheimer and Barbie with Thomas. So yeah. both of those I watched with Tom or the pod. Uh, I'm going to go quickly through what I did. So I went to Phoenix, visited the homies. The restaurants were fantastic. Uh, got to eat some great food in El Paso. I went to El Paso afterward. Had my anniversary with Gabby. We didn't get to fully celebrate, so we're probably going to do that this weekend. 
um, I had trainings the whole time, so that wasn't fun. But we did end up taking Katia, my daughter, to White Sands for the first time. Every El Paso kid knows what that's about. So we went to White Sands, uh, and I made the mistake of not trusting myself and not taking an extra cooler full of water. And so about two hours in, on one of the hottest days of the year, I was like, I can't. We can't. Everybody. Everybody was done. Um, but that's that's all I did. Uh, Eric. Eric, what you been up to, man? Striving and thriving, baby. You know, working the <laughs> podcast, watching movies, living life, dude. Uh, it was great to see you guys. I know Jason was a little let down. I didn't go to the river with you guys, but so you got to you got to weigh the options. You want to piss off Eric for four hours? You know, that's not really talking. He's in a bad mood, or do you want to come home to some tacos that have been cooked up, or some guacamole Honestly, and shit? So I think you would have had fun, Eric. I don't know. It seemed like I've been to the river, dude. I know I wouldn't have fun. Like <laughs> I hate. I hate. I, there's nothing more in this life I hate more than that river. Like I'm, I'm almost positive about it. Damn, bro! What did the river do to you? You know what's you know what's funny, uh, Jermaine. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but uh, Jermaine, Luigi, and Cole were like, "Ah, oh, let's just do the, the 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 short float." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, let's let's do the short float." You know, if you guys aren't vibing it, we'll get off early because there's like a halfway point where you can get off. And uh, we got to the halfway point, and Cole he had been drinking a little cut water bucket meals. He's like. That was kind of short, right? We should we should keep going. I was like, it was short. They yeah. said it was a six-hour float. Halfway down, you expect it to have been three hours, dude. It was like an hour, an hour or something. Um, and I was like, oh, we could keep going. Like this doesn't seem that bad. If for six hours, I would have been halfway. I would have been like, all right, it's been three hours. I'm good to go. I, I burnt as much as I could burn. Yeah, uh, I recommend it, Thomas. So if you ever come on down, I would definitely love to take you. It's 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 a lot of fun. You get to throw marshmallows at people. It's a thing. I don't know. Eric, um, why do you hate it so much? I need both sides because I feel like I believe Jason, but uh, wh- wh- why the hate? No, you can have fun. See, but the thing is, is I'm the type of person that would choose to be bored in refrigeration than to have fun in 120 degree weather. So that's just what it comes down to to me. Voices. Nah, and you guys are literally in the fucking fire pit of America right now. So <laughs> yeah. That's just yeah. all. Uh, 115 degrees. We booked the record for 115 degrees or over uh, for like 20 days already or some shit like that in a row. So uh, that's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, it's bad. <laughs> the one sunburn I got was extremely painful. It's, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, Thomas, how you been, man? Good, man. Uh, can't complain. Like you mentioned, uh, got to see you this weekend. You hit me up. You're like, yo, let's go watch Oppenheimer. I already knew that I was down for that. So uh, it was cool, man, cool catching up with you, seeing these movies, uh, renting out Barbenheimer Theater for, for just us two. Just so, the two of us. <laughs> yeah, cool. But uh, nah, man, other than that, um, it's a good time of the year right now, boys. A lots of good movies. Um, saw Mission Impossible. I don't know if you guys talked about that already, but. Have not watched it yet, so we can't cover it on the pod. Uh, but we do want to talk about it if it comes up for award contention at the very least. Jason, have you seen it? Do you do you watch those at all? Are you? Yeah, I haven't. I, I still want to watch Mission Impossible. <clears throat> I know it hasn't been getting really good reviews, but I want to watch uh, Indiana Jones, that one as well, okay. uh, as well as The Sound of Freedom. I still want to see that movie as well. Oh, yeah, me too, me too. Yeah. I want to see Freedom as well. I want to see, uh, God, there's another one. Well, it'll come back to me. Angelica, how you been? 
I've been good. Yes, did. You, you yeah, it's been busy. Uh, a couple weeks back, I was in Denver for work. And then I knew I had a family reunion in California like the week later. So my mom was like, what if we went to Vegas? And she knew with the family reunion coming up that there would be plenty of family members who would low-key want a trip to Vegas before a pregame, so to speak. And it was fantastic. I had a great, a great, great, great time. I had so much fun. I'm not really like a drinker or gambler, so I was kind of like anxious. I wasn't sure if I was really going to like it, but I had so much fun. Yo, Angelica, did you get to see the sphere? I did. I did. It was weird because we were looking for it all day. We were like, it's here. It's right behind the hotel. Like we were staying at the Mirage. I loved it. It was beautiful. And I was like, it's it's like right behind us. And we drove by it, but we just didn't notice because it was like off during the night, during the daytime. And uh, and then when it was sun was setting, we started noticing, oh, shoot, it's a basketball, which was cool. It was big. <laughs> like I said, I'm not really like a sports person, but I was like, oh, that's cool. It's a big basketball. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive what that thing can do. So that's dope. Yeah, it sounds like you went during the time where the, the basketball players were there for the summer league. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. A lot of sightseeing, I feel like. Nice. Very and, then, cool. and then you went to California too, is that what you said? Yeah, I went to California. We just like pretty much hit the beach for a day and then we were so tired and then we had to come back because I also then had immediately some work in Dallas that I had to go to afterwards. So it's right. been busy. I like just got home this past weekend. I live in like north suburbs of Chicago and I'm like finally settled. There's so much laundry. I'm anxious hey, I'm about it. Go for it. It'll be all right. <laughs> you should just hire somebody to do it for you. I'm thinking yeah. about it. I'm thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, they got they got those services like the one time. Just yeah, and then you can start fresh and catch up. I'm gonna overwhelm yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of sports, I hear Mbappe was offered 1.1 billion. Is this accurate, Eric? So. so so, I mean, essentially, yes. Um, there's an offer to buy him for like $332 million, which is what uh, the uh, the team that he's on, PSG, would get. They'd get the 332 but they offered him a $700-plus million contract for one season of football in Saudi Arabia. He hasn't signed. He hasn't done it. The whole sports world is pressuring him to do it. Uh, but we'll see what happens. That's That's the most outrageous thing I've ever heard in my life that people think – a person who plays a child's sport is worth a billion dollars, but hey, it is what it is, man. Capitalism. Money. Money talks. Yeah, capitalism. That's amazing. Well, it's, if uh, sports stars start getting this kind of money, I saw, who was it that sent uh, an Instagram post? Was that Cole or Jason where there's a dad teaching his kid how to play basketball and they do that? <laughs> yeah, that, that was me. It was uh, so the kid, Obviously, the dad's a basketball fan and he's like seeing is like, wait, He's like, he's getting how much money? And immediately starts, the little kid's playing basketball, and immediately switches into soccer. He's like, no, we, we got we gotta to start. start you young, boy. <laughs> that's that's always the hope of every parent, right? Well, every dad. And then once that's gone, you're like, ah, that's right. You could be, be whatever you want. Um, yeah. I want to go over box office because we're going to be talking about this a little bit more in future presentation, but I did want to talk about the numbers. Uh, so the domestic box office – Barbie, as of today, is at $214 million. Oppenheimer's at $107 million. Uh, Sound of Freedom, I'm only going to give the overall for Sound of Freedom, but it's at $124 million. 
So Sound of Freedom has been out quite a bit longer, and I will say that's a triumph for Sound of Freedom, but it does speak to how big Barbie and Oppenheimer already are in like five days. Uh, Mission Impossible is still ahead of them overall, but worldwide, Barbie is already close to half a billion. Uh, Oppenheimer is 238 million. Sound of Freedom is the same because I think it's only released domestically. So these numbers are some of the biggest numbers we've seen since at least pre-pandemic, boys. A lot of people are thanking God that Barbie and Oppenheimer are out right now. Jason, what you thinking on these numbers? Uh, you love to see it, man. Um, I, I'm sure we're going to talk about it, but especially for Oppenheimer personally, it's kind of nice to see people going back into theaters because that's you want that experience, that cinematic experience. And I feel that... <clears throat> Uh, no one gave us that. And uh, I'm glad people were excited to go actually go see it in theaters because <clears throat> honestly, man, I really still think to this day that people should have gone to go see Tenet in theaters. It was, it was so amazing. I saw that shit three times in theaters. Yeah. And that still blows my mind. Still one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I don't mean to bring it up, Luigi, but I just I just, <laughs> just really think you need to see Tenet again at, like in an IMAX like, or something. Yeah. Um, Gonna I'm going to repeat. Inception was a complicated movie, but it was still a great movie on the first watch. Tenet was Tenet. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> we're going to move forward. Uh, <laughs> Eric, Eric, uh, are you surprised by these numbers at all? Uh, I mean, it's nice to... I don't know about surprised. It's nice to see them going back up, but I honestly do believe these are the three perfect movies for where like people like they, they, they were able to take advantage of a lot of things that's going on in the world. So like Barbie, come on that they're going to, it's going to sell like every little girl, every woman now, like used to be a little girl. Yeah. It's a, it, and it, and apparently like they got good stars for it. They got good director for it. So it's awesome. Um, so that obviously I thought was going to blow it out of the water. And then Oppenheimer is no one. And it's redemption for Nolan because Tenet, unfortunately, did bad at the box office. So there was a lot of promo and they just hyped this movie up incredibly. And then Sound of Freedom uh, took time for it to gain traction. But um, it's just a topic that's, that weighs heavy with a lot of people nowadays in society. And it seems to be a growing issue. So I think people turned up in support because, you know, we need to get that. People feel like they need to get that message out there, which I agree with the message, you know protect the children. So I think it's just a whirlwind of everything that's going on in the world. People were tired of being stuck at home. Barbie's Barbie. It's, I would say it's the top five chilling toy of all time. So obviously it's going to sell and, and Christopher Nolan does Christopher Nolan things. So. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's, it's probably number one. If I had to, if I had to think of anything else that sells. Uh, I'd still say Legos might be higher, but Barbies are definitely up there. Uh, what are you thinking on these numbers, Angelica? Are you surprised? No. I think, I don't know if you guys have seen like those TikToks where they're like, oh, I went for a double feature on Oppenheimer and Barbie. And they're like talking about what you would think would be Oppenheimer. They're like, it's about existential crisis. You know, what is death? Who are we? And then I went to go see Oppenheimer, which I just, I think I love the dichotomy of like the two of them. I think it's a perfect double feature. And I'm really glad that the Barbie movie turned out the way that it did because I, I wasn't expecting it. It did catch me by surprise. I think the trailers were pretty – they didn't tell a lot. 
and I didn't want to see anything more than that. You know what I mean? I was excited to see the movie. I didn't want to spoil it for myself. So it was a nice surprise. Yeah, no, it's it's great numbers. And I thought both movies were just phenomenal. Thomas, what about you, man? I think we may have lost Thomas. He looks no. a little frozen. He does. Frozen, um, yep, a little bit. Thomas, um, can you hear us? Yes. Can you see me? Are we good? Yes, yes sir. Okay. What are your thoughts on the box office? No, yeah, just to uh, to piggyback on what Angelica was saying, um, I think it was just really cool. Like, these two movies, to me, it was just cool to see people. It wasn't a sequel. It wasn't a Marvel movie. No knock at Marvel, but, like, it was just cool to see two very original, completely, like, obviously opposite movies, like, fall on the same day. I know it was a problem at first, and, and I know even Nolan was kind of pissed about that. But, honestly, like, the way it worked out for, for them marketing for each other, having like just do the double feature thing it worked out great for both of them like i i don't know if we'll be able to like see something like this again because again it's two original movies two very like if they had come out separately they would have been great but it was just cool that they came out together so i think they boosted each other up they like smashed all the all the projections i think barbie was supposed to make like 120 and oppenheimer they were thinking like 50 and obviously they crushed those so yeah it's just good to see like you're saying too jay like after the pandemic, it's been hard for theaters to. That's the most packed I've seen a theater like in a long time, like long, long. Time. So it was just cool. Like I'm obviously we're all big movie nerds and stuff, so it was just cool to feel like back again, truly. So I just hope I hope stuff keeps coming out. No, I would agree, man. Like both theaters were full. I mean, for Barbie, we had to sit in the front row, so that tells you. I mean, I haven't sat in the front row for a movie in a long time. And that's how we just got the last minute tickets. We're like, fuck it, let's go. Let's make this happen. Um, yeah, that's that's the first time I've had to do that in a while. Uh, Jason, talking money and talking about a movie that's actually coming out this week, which I am going to go see. Uh, I'm going to go see Haunted Mansion with the family. Uh, it's coming out this Friday. So go check it out, guys. Got some great actors. I can't promise it's going to be a good movie because Disney has been it's been they've been doing okay they haven't been doing great they haven't been doing bad it's just lukewarm stuff that they've been coming out with uh first thing i think of is the main actress for little mermaid was amazing the rest of the movie was okay uh so i'm hoping that haunted mansion looks good but disney's cruises have actually lost uh 328 million this year and since uh, 2019, they've had a loss of $1.6 billion. Uh, does this speak to anything that Disney may be, may be doing uh, incorrectly right now? Uh, Angelica, what do you think? Um, I don't know. Well, I was just thinking of a tangent. Is it okay if I... I'm, not, I'm new to the podcasting game, okay? Yeah. I don't know when it's appropriate. <laughs> but but I was just thinking, like, when you were talking about Haunted Mansion, I, for a long time, had this theory that Disney was starting to make movies to support their parks. That's why I thought they're going to make more Avatar movies because they just built the Avatar park. And then you saw Jungle Cruise, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's totally, like, based off the Jungle Cruise, all the, like, you know puns and whatnot and i'm like that's not a coincidence and then they came out with this movie i'm like they're doing it and it's smart you know what i mean they used to make the parks after the movies 
probably cheaper to make the movies after the parks at this point. Yeah, actually, that that makes sense. Um, I, I would feel like that they would have to bleed that into cruises to get some money out of it. But do you yeah. guys think too soon since the pandemic? What do you think, Eric? Do you think uh, people are still not really... Because cruises were the ones that got hit the worst when it came to COVID. So do you think that's why people aren't coming to their cruises? Or do you think it might be something else? Uh, I think it's a culmination of a couple different things. I think uh, money's a little tight for a lot of people right now. Um, so a cruise might be last on their list of things to do. Um, Disney has had a couple... or It seems like they've lost their way and lost fans, even though they're still putting out great content and, and Disney will always exist. But they've taken, obviously... Iger's what selling parts they're like they're basically selling parts off now so but they'll bounce back um and obviously some people are still dealing with the pandemic so you know I, i'm people are still feeling the effects of it so i think it's just a culmination of all that but mainly being i just don't know if people can afford it right now yeah that's a good point do you guys uh, also think it could be for for cruises especially um i'm gonna bring up succession but that stuff is kind of true with stuff that happens in, in cruises. Um, I was listening to a crime podcast. I like crime podcasts. Uh, and they were investigating what well, she, she was talking about one of the, an incident that happened at, at a cruise ship. And since it was like international waters, like it's it, like the case is still going on. This happened like a while back, but like it's, I think Obama had to like pass a law. Well, stuff that happened to cruises, people, uh, the cruises didn't have to like say like, or report of like rapes or incidents that were happening in the cruises. Like it's so fucking weird. Uh, just because again, it was an international waters. Or was this just every cruise line? Just cruises in general. Um, Is that why they did that in succession? I'm just yeah. All this together now. Yeah. <laughs> I have yeah, heard that they're like that. A lot of kids die on cruises because there's notoriously no lifeguard. So any pool, it's like very common. Kids drown, you know, and they just don't have lifeguards. <laughs> I. That blows my mind. I did not know that. Jesus Christ. Well, no wonder cruises aren't doing well. Do better. Do better, Disney. Do better, uh, cruises. Right, I'm not saying just Disney. I'm just cruises in general. So just be careful if you guys plan a, a cruise. Like, I'm kind of iffy about it. I don't think I'll ever do it. I put Disney as a, at a higher standard, so I called them out specifically. Yeah, okay. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> um, let's get into some trailers. Jason, you saw the Gen V trailer, right? Yes, the Gen V, that's the spinoff for The Boys. If you guys haven't seen The Boys, uh, I'm guessing everyone in here has. It's a little much for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've I, I, like watched bits and pieces. It's it's definitely a plot I'm interested in. It's just like visually a little much. I've got a weak stomach. Yeah, it is a little it is a little gory, but it's uh it's awesome. So I, I'm I'm guessing probably stay away from this one. <laughs> Uh, if you guys are watching The Boys, it's just a, it's just younger kids getting, going like a college superhero school, right? Is that kind of what it is? It looks like college. They look like college level. Uh, yeah, and then they start like uncovering stuff that's happening in the college, uh, just kind of like all the corruptness, right? It's just, just like a basic spinoff to The Boys, but like with a different cast. So, fucking looks dope. I'm excited. That comes out. Don't know yet. <laughs> uh, it'll be coming out though guys it's she'll coming be coming out. right now when she comes guys she will be uh, what else did you see a trailer for this one they actually already released a side episode of the of the show I'm pretty excited to see it another Amazon original Jason 
Another Amazon original. Yes, dude, I'm I'm excited about this one. This is kind of like the boys version in a cartoon series. So it's called Invincible. Season two is going to set to come out. And we got a release date, uh, November 2nd. Um, I really, I really enjoy Invincible. They have some great, uh, great cast. Uh, people like Seth Rogen, uh, Steve Yuen. Yuen? Is it Steven Yuen? Am I saying? Yep. Um, uh, if you guys, he was the, one of the characters that was in the Beef series from Netflix. Um, uh, J.K. Simmons plays uh, Omni-Man. He's like the... Ah, well, if you, if you guys haven't seen it, I'm sorry, but he's like the uh, the main uh, character. You think he's good at first, but then he's a villain. But is he really a bad person? You, I don't know. We'll find out in season two. He's, he's the antagonist. He's the antagonist of the show. Uh, he is their world's version of Superman. And he's very complicated individual, to say the least. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... There's one more you have for us, Jason. What is the next one that you got for us? Um, so I, w I wasn't quite ready for this one. It was uh, I actually saw this trailer when I went to go see Barbie, and uh, I went with Jamie, my girlfriend. She's not too fond of scary movies, um, but this movie low key got me like kind of excited. And it's uh, it's one of the Exorcist. It's a new a new version of the Exorcist. Yo, that shit looks fucking scary. Eric, what did you think? Did you want to go see that? <laughs> I closed my eyes during the trailer. I'm not watching the movie. <laughs> I don't invite evil spirits into my life. I try to keep them out. So, no, I will not be watching the old one or the new one. I'm good on all of that. Angelica, I'm sure you feel the same, correct? I can appreciate that for sure. <laughs> I, right now, I'm like going through this phase with my coworkers. We're like hanging out more outside of work, and they're like, "Do you guys want to watch a movie? Let's put on a scary movie." And I'm all, <laughs> "No, we're not doing that. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Get that out of here." <laughs> You're all. I will watch anything but that. Thank you. But that, correct? We're not sleeping tonight. <laughs> So then um, Jason and Thomas might be the only ones interested in watching this. Thomas, you're a big horror movie fan. What do you think of this trailer? Uh, man, I, I agree with Jason. Um, you know, you're always worried that they're going to, like, ruin these classics when they bring out a sequel. But it actually uh, it piqued my interest, man. The two little girls in it look pretty terrifying. Uh, looks like they got some of the yes. old stuff from the original in it. So we'll be there. We'll be there. Yeah. I love the faces on the end. That's great. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll definitely try to go see it. I don't know if I'm going to get Gabby to watch it because she's a little more squeamish now that she's had a child. Um, but I definitely want to see that. I had a couple of previews I wanted to talk, only because they're coming up soon. Uh, everyone's seen the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem trailer. That's coming out not this Friday, but next Friday, guys. If you got kids, you definitely want to go check it. Or if you're just a big uh, Ninja Turtles fan, it actually looks pretty solid with the animation. It's a different take. They're younger. Uh, go check that out. I did, for Jason, I wanted to talk about this because I know how Jason is a big fan as well. The DC animated uh, 2024 films that are coming out. I know we've got one that's coming out, like, I think within the month or, or pretty soon this year, War World, but I don't know when exactly. But DC Animated announced Crisis on Infinite Earths and the Watchmen for their animated slate next year. Jason, are you excited about this one or what? I love DC animated films. I was pretty excited when uh, The Watchmen came up. Uh, I loved the movie, The Watchmen, when that came out. Uh, Zack Snyder, right? Um, and then also the show on Hulu was dope. Um, 
So I'm excited for um, for the animated version, the DC film for it. I don't know too much about the Crisis on Infinite Earths though. So is that the just is that Justice League or is that some some something completely else? Different. It is Justice League. It it's is, like right? when all these different realities clash together. Uh, there's there's a big storyline to it. Uh, I hear it's one of their best ones, and that the CW uh, channel actually did it already. They did a version of it, yeah. Yeah, and it went really well. They crossed over all their shows, and then they crossed over, like, previous shows, like, throughout time. Uh, they even got Adam – they did a version with Adam West, I think. I don't know if this was before he died or if they put him as, like, CGI or something. But they had every version of Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, like, come out in this huge crossover. And that's what we're going to see in this one, all these different dimensions of the superheroes crossing over. I don't know the details of that one. We're going to have to ask our comic expert, Jermaine, on that one. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see that. And The Watchmen, I would love to see an animated adaptation of the original graphic novel. I think it'll look really good. And then I wanted to add this in. I know that Eric uh, was being a hater when we were talking about this off pod. But I am pretty sad to hear that Dune has been delayed to June 2024. That's that's disappointing. I thought it was coming out Thanksgiving. I was ready for it. So that's that's a that's a bit of a bummer for me. Definitely wanted to see that. Yeah, Thomas, I can see you. <laughs> how are you feeling on that one? You already know how I'm feeling, Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty well, disappointing. Yeah, man. I mean, that was like the only like major film release on my slate left for the year but I mean I know everyone there's other stuff going to come out but not have that it's and then with the strike it's just going to get pushed back and back so that's why all these things we're ready to watch are just going to get pushed pushed and pushed the only thing I'm excited for right now because I know it's done is Killers of the Flower Moon I'm like alright let's go but I mean so, so Doom. like they're already showing trailers it's done i don't know what they're gonna do like that's kind of weird you know what i mean like they've already started marketing for it but they're gonna have to like just stop i don't know that's my only hope but we'll see well maybe they'll they'll uh trick us and release it anyway i know eric is super excited and <laughs> wants us all to see it because he has a good heart <laughs> no i actually hope it's like dr dre's album that never came out <laughs> <laughs> So Simply that's... because I want to be an agent of chaos. I don't even have any beef with the movie. The first one was excellent, but if my friends miss out on the opportunity to see it, and I know they really want to see it, that'll make me laugh a little bit. It, you know, you remind me of the Dark Knight. Some men just want to watch the world burn. That's you, bro. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, we're going to move on into TV land. Jason, have you been watching anything? I have. Um, but I'm not quite finished. But uh, Ted Lasso, I'm in season three. Um, so far? I have six episodes, and I just saw the last episode I saw was the Amsterdam episode. How'd you like that one? Yeah, that was a good episode. Right, the Christmas one, right? That was Christmas? Amsterdam Christmas? Uh, no, it's uh, when uh, <laughs> uh, Ted does uh, takes a mushroom tea. Oh, he, that's right. And he comes up with uh, a triangle. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then um, just some other cool stuff happens. Uh, you see Jamie Tart and uh, Roy Kent Bond and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's really good. Uh, I'm almost done. Uh, six episodes left. We're uh, we're really enjoying it. Um, I, I you like seeing the growth in all these characters, man. I I hope it ends 
I hope it ends well. And I think I, I, it, it's got to end with um, Ted going back to the U.S. That's that's all I know. Because, I mean, he has his kid back there. I don't know. I don't think he stays. It's going to be the last season. If that was the last final season for Ted Lasso, yeah, he clearly has to go back to the U.S., right? You don't have to tell me, but I'm just like. I, I can't say, obviously, as you just mentioned, but I do definitely want to know what you think by the end of it. Uh, it's, as I mentioned, it's one of those feel-good shows, so I definitely love watching that. Yeah, I was expecting it to be more like a Parks and Rec kind of office thing, uh, but it it, it it hits you in the feels, man. Uh, it talks about like a lot of stuff, like a lot of growth within themselves, um, you know, having to go through a divorce and stuff like that, and how how people go through it differently uh you know one of the players struggling with his with his father and his relationship with his father uh another one being in africa and having to deal with companies that own um you know shitty companies that are destroying like uh like his side his side of uh his country and stuff so it's just it it's really cool like i i like seeing all that like it's you kind of feel more for the characters and kind of like it. And obviously they, they do a lot of pop culture references, which I think is absolutely hilarious. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's very well written, man. I'm excited. Let me know when you're done with it so we can full on talk Ted Lasso. Finally, I've been wanting you to watch this show. So I'm excited for you to finish it up. Uh, for me, I did actually watch a kid's movie that. And she's going to be annoyed that I said this on the pod, but it actually made Gabby cry. I've never seen anything make her cry. And she like cried, cried. Like it wasn't just like a, a tear. It was like, and I was like, hey, I don't know if you're going to, you might have some regrets out in your wife like that on the podcast. <laughs> your lady friend on the podcast. He, like, he has the cover of his sisters on the call. And I really want to know what it is. <laughs> so you have to tell me now. <laughs> Uh, it is the Netflix film called Nimona. It was actually made by 20th Century Studios, and it was it was in development. And they sold Disney sold it off when they bought uh, Fox because they didn't want to deal with it because some of the themes in it, like, and it's not it's not a major theme, but one of the characters is gay. So I'm guessing that might have been why, because they're like, ah, we've been doing this a lot. We don't want to we don't want to overdo it. And then the one of the bigger themes in the film is uh, child suicide and bullying. Now, when I heavy, it is heavy. When I say that, the film is very fun to watch, and it doesn't immediately say that. But the main character is going through things that uh, make it very clear. Like as an adult, you know exactly what it's talking about. For a child, they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to piece those two things together. I don't think. Uh, maybe I'm not giving them enough credit, but maybe a young child would not be able to piece those two things together. But Nimona on Netflix, very funny too. Very funny film. It's got a, a different style for the female character. She's a lot of fun. She's goofy. Uh, the main guy is is very likable. So I, I don't want to say too much because I know I'm pretty much the only person that's seen it on this uh, podcast, but I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun of a movie, very actiony, and some typical kids movie stuff. But it, it's it's a good one to watch. Nimona on Netflix. And then if you guys are into trash, trash TV, and by trash TV, TV I mean reality TV. I uh, love trash TV. Yeah. Let's hear it. Uh, Eric, you're putting your thumb down, but you were just as invested watching this show 
<laughs> when we were there. So I don't I want to hear it. Which uh, one is it? Let me hear it. Let me hear it. I'm ready. I want to know if I've seen it. Five star chef. Oh, he's putting his hand. I was watching it with you. You know you wanted to know who won. Um, it was called Five Star Chef. It is these British chefs that are trying to take over a luxury uh, hotel's restaurant in London. And they've got all kinds of different people competing for it, doing all kinds of different cuisines. And at first I was like, I don't really like the those like, uh, uh, call it, high-end high dining, fine dining. There we go. Thank you. God, thank God I came out with it. Uh, fine dining uh, competitive shows because I'm like, I like thinking I can make it, you know? And with those shows, I'm like, I can't make that. I'm not going to be able to make that. No, I can never make that. That's why they get paid the big bucks. But it was still pretty fun to watch. It was a lot of good dishes and some interesting people. Of course, some of it, you could tell, was a little bit scripted, but that's fine. The food was good and the competition was solid. So I would highly recommend if you guys like watch competitive cooking shows, that's a good one to watch. Right, Eric? It was decent. It was more about the camaraderie, about being with my friends, watching the show, enjoying the time together. He liked it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've been watching because uh, I have HBO and, you know, I co combined with, um forgot who it was. Um, but uh, I've been watching Man vs. Food and uh, the one with Guy Fieri, what's it called? Dines, Divers, Bars. Dines, Drive-Ins, and Dash. Right. <laughs> Dives. Dives, dives, like dive bars or some shit like that. I don't know, but hey, it's it's kind of nice, you know, just to have on, just to fall asleep to. So, oh, I used to love those shows. So I I, I ain't even judging on that. Cole Offbot was <laughs> the greatest greatest reality show ever, and I can't I can't fault him for that. But it was a fun show to watch. Eric again agrees. I know he's pretending he doesn't, but he loves it. Uh, yes, diners, drive-ins, and dives. There we go. Okay. It's because I keep thinking about like dodge, dip, dive, and dot, right? Dot. <laughs> <laughs> Sequel coming out soon, guys. Sequel coming out soon. <laughs> if you want um, some really good trash TV, and I'm talking trash, it's good though. It's good. It's on Max. It's Alaskan bush people. It's about like these people who are like living in like like what essentially is rural Alaska, where you can you can kind of homestead you don't have to like buy land if you build on it it's yours and there's like you know they have really rough winters so they're always like racing against the clock to build a house before winter comes okay. that is a good show oh, i like put it on it's trash oh, it's reality weird. tv it's crazy and i put it on for my family and i swear every time joe my brother my brother-in-law anytime he walks by he's like stops he watches it for a few minutes, and then he keeps going. He'll walk off, come back. Wait, what happened? I'm like, that is a sign that you want to sit down and watch this show. It is good. Alaskan Bush people. I've been putting everybody on. That's a, that's a premise, man. Like, racing against the clock literally for survival. Yep. I mean, and they're all people. such characters because they're raised in isolation. So they have these, like, ridiculous personalities. I love them, so no judgment. But it is a really entertaining show. <laughs> No judgment, I swear. I really like them. I love them. I love every single one of them. So, <laughs> Oh, that's good. Okay. Alaskan Bush people. What's that on? I, it's on Max, I believe. It was like previously maybe like Discovery, but then it got absorbed or something. Of course. Of course. Uh, I actually want to do a little bit of a, a discussion on Zaslav on our next episode, Jason, because 
turns out that dude when he bought Discovery is when Discovery started like not being a show about science and education or uh sorry not show channel uh about science and education and just started putting tons of reality stuff on there that's crazy uh but yeah like Eric said in the chat he said uh it sounds like a winter is coming, but in real life, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. The situation is dire. <laughs> every time, every episode. Even though they're on TV and I'm sure that, you know, they would. Oh, they yeah. Would whenever die. times get rough, not, spoiler, whenever times get rough, they pull in the production crew and they're like, we can't handle this. Like, this is dangerous. Go find somebody to help. Like, you, it's very entertaining. That's wild. Uh, I'm going to fucking watch this. Oh yeah. I need something I need something mindless. You know when yep. you're like cleaning or you're doing some cooking and you can't really pay attention to the show? That would be perfect. That's the one and they're still making seasons. It started since 2014, so you got a good amount of TV to binge. I, I may have to catch up so I can start talking with you about the characters. Yep. All right, let's get into our feature presentation which you've all been waiting for. Barbenheimer, we're going to start with Barbie. Uh, now Barbie, as I mentioned, has destroyed the box office right now. They are killing it. Their marketing team has been doing some crazy stuff. Uh, early on, a Malibu Barbie beach house came, like, popped up in Malibu out of nowhere. Uh, we saw that we saw all kinds of different pink things. Uh, everybody was going pink for Barbie. I'm going to start by saying this: this fish out of water story, it, we've seen it before, but I don't think we've ever seen it done the way that this movie is done. And I mean that in the best sense possible. Barbie really brings out some uh, existential questions, questions about purpose, um, femininity, obviously, versus the patriarchy. And that being said, I'm going to start with Angelica because you are the female that I would like to have to talk about this film because there are four of us in here who just can't relate to the movie in the way that yes. she would. So go ahead and start us off. On I'm eager and excited. <laughs> I like grin on my face. I am obsessed with this movie. I genuinely went to the movie theater to go watch Oppenheimer. And I just couldn't fall pass up on seeing Barbie a second time. Like I had to, in that moment, see Barbie a second time. There was no other option for me. And unfortunately, I we'll need to see it a few more times because I know it's not going to come out on streaming services until who knows how long. And I just need to like obsess over that movie. I need to obsess over this movie the way that like I obsessed over like Nacho Libre or something like that. You know what I mean? Like Dumb and Dumber. Those movies that are just like, oh, they got so many good quotes. I will never stop like replaying the scenes and the jokes in my head. I hope people pick up on the references. Like that's what this movie was for me and i intend on just quoting it as obnoxiously as possible if i have kids and i and they're 13 i'm watching like we're watching this movie i'm gonna be like this was what, what was funny in my day you remember this like that this is my dumb and dumber i i don't know how else to say it it's perfect and amazing in every way i would say that i don't want to compare it to dumb and dumber because dumb and dumber hate me all you want is a dumb fucking movie it, it, you're right you're right you're right there's more layers to this movie but i love that it had dumb funny too you know it what i mean like it did it did it and did. it was fun i haven't seen it in a while i feel like like stuff that made me laugh you know what i mean maybe it was dumb funny to other people but like nothing that really resonated with me this had me like belly chuckle you know what i mean like it was funny it stuck with me like i literally <laughs> the part 
where Issa Rae is like, oh, are you watching The Good Father? And he's like, it's Godfather. That has replayed in my head. That's <laughs> fucking hilarious. I don't know if I can cuss on here. But that was so funny. And there's a lot of, call them Easter eggs, except they're really not. There's a lot of, like, references that I do think if you played with Barbies, you'd pick up on it more. Like, when he was flipping falling. through the wave. Right. I I have this like tendency to just notice the most obscure things in movies and like and then I'll hyperfixate on it. But in this case, when I would hyperfixate, it would make me laugh because like for example, Barbie's like walking through her dream house. She goes the most complicated way to go through like to the kitchen. You know what I mean? There's even though there's one direct way, she goes. That's how you played with Barbies. Like you and then you just like jumped and when they fell, it was like water she's acting like there's water like there's just a lot of features i don't know if you remember the dog pooping that was a real toy and i had that toy and it was fantastic i loved seeing it i'm like oh my god that was a toy i wasn't really a barbie girl but that dog that pooped absolutely i played with that i remember that distinctly weird barbie everybody had weird barbie i love that it also like destigmatized weird you know what i mean like who i've always said this we call my niece weird Often I love her with everything in my heart, but I was weird growing up and I make it, I like make it a point to call her weird because she is weird and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's cool to be weird. You know what I mean? Like, that's normal. So I love that cool bar. I mean, weird Barbie, Kate McKinnon, love her. I love her on SNL. Literally everything that she did, I just ate it up. Her Elizabeth Warren, right, impression during like political time, she got that down pat. Like, I love this woman. I love every single woman on this cast. Issa Rae, I'm obsessed with her. America did a great job. Like, I just... Water did a good job, too, for a younger actor. Oh, yeah, like, she did great. She, I was super impressed. And I think what stuck out to me a lot was, like, just the self-aware humor. You know what I mean? So there was a lot of nods that, like, we know maybe this is hypocritical, right? Like, who are we to speak on this? And so we're just going to say it before you say it. You know what I mean? That way, you know we saw it. And now it's funny. So like when Margot Robbie's like crying, breaking down, and she's like, I just don't feel pretty. Like, I'm just, I'm not pretty enough. The no, narrator cuts and she's like, no, yeah. Margot Robbie's not, not the right person to cast because she's gorgeous when she's crying. That's absolutely what every single person was thinking in their head. Well, at least every woman. Well, that's a general. Well, but you know thing. what I mean? I'm like, God, she's gorgeous, right? Like when she cries, you're just like, how do you not fall in love with her? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you make me want to cry. You know what I mean? I'm like, wow, that was fantastic. And then I feel like they pulled from real life experiences of these actresses because like there was just too many things that were coincidences for me. So like one thing I immediately thought of when all these Barbies are accepting their Nobel Prize is none of them say thank you. They say like, oh, yeah, I did that, and I worked hard for it, and I deserve it. Well, it, it's hilarious in itself, but for me, it immediately triggered this this uh, speech, this acceptance speech that Issa Rae had done, um, and it was for, like, entrepreneurship, and I'll have to send you guys the link, but it legitimately is just her being, like, entrepreneur means I did this by myself, and entrepreneur till I die. I earned this. I, I Like, she's literally living that moment in real life and it was hilarious and i love that they put that in. i can't imagine that that was like not inspired by that moment you know what i mean 
or another one again it's like super niche but I'm like I know that I recognized it immediately and I know there are so many other people who also probably recognized it was like right in the end so America Chavez had done this or America Ferreira sorry what's her name America thank you she um she used to say si se puede in this one cornball movie Disney Channel original hey do you remember it do you remember it it popularized si se puede right but it was so like not controversial back then but obviously like the response is like okay it wasn't the movie that made it popular it was cesar chavez you know like the labor the labor movement like that's what it's actually rooted in and she totally i can't imagine it's a coincidence she went full circle and looked at her husband and said well, he said, si se puede. He's like, she's like, that's a political statement. That has got to be the most redeeming moment in America's life. Like, she made this, again, cor- no offense, cornball movie that she's probably ashamed of. You know what I mean? Because you do such corny things when you're a kid that she went full circle. And I love that for her. I, I loved it. The white savior Barbie. Okay, white white savior Barbie. That was hilarious. That was hilarious. It was just like constant nods. And I'm like, oh this is my kind of humor. This is hilarious. And so many women have had to have been in that writer's room for you to pick up on these shared experiences. Like where they they're all watched that BBC Pride and Prejudice movie. Like that's not a coincidence. Why are there so many women out here watching this movie in their struggling times? That's not like, I cannot tell you how many TikToks I've seen about it. And it's made me think like, damn, am I missing out? Should I watch that movie? Like, and maybe I am. I will watch it. That joke got me good because Gabby has been trying to get me to watch Pride and Prejudice with her because we haven't seen it. And she's like, I really want to see Pride and Prejudice. And I looked at her and I was like, yeah, they're getting us both. Uh, they were she, funny. She laughed real hard at the Godfather joke because we were talking That's about funny. watching the Godfather. She's like, oh, I haven't seen it. And I, I turned to her when the line came on, even though I'd seen the movie already. I was like, I'm watching. I'm watching. It was, oh, man, the Zack Snyder cut. Oh, stop oh, playing with so me. That was, was it was deep cuts, I'm sure. Deep cuts. It was funny. It was funny. That shit was funny. That, that was good. And then they like nodded at all those tropes like, oh, she takes her glasses off and she's suddenly beautiful. And can you teach me how to play this sport? Like it's just all it's hyperbolic. You know what I mean? It's inflammatory. It's clearly like not real life but it's funny you know what i mean and there are so many movies at the expense the work jokes are made at the expense of women and we we kind of like say like oh you know it's funny so it's okay and i feel like this movie was kind of the the other side of that you know what i mean it's it's comedy it's okay no one has to take it too seriously but it's it's that the writing's good the acting's good the set design is immaculate the costumes are on point and it's got layers man like it talks about women's plight in America. It talks about mother-daughter relationships. You know what I mean? Like even just those couple of lines where they're, where she's like, you look beautiful. And she's like, don't touch me. You know what I mean? That's got to resonate with a lot of mothers out there. I yeah, certainly had a phase. scenes like with her and her mom, I was like, oh man, I hope Gabby doesn't go through that with Gabby. I'm like, ah. It's inevitable, man. She I don't is. know what to tell you. Were your sisters like that too, Jason? Is that just like every girl or what? Um, a, a little bit different in a in my side of the family, I would say. My mom was pretty um, pretty pretty rough, pretty rough on them. I would say, like not in a bad way, but just um, um, I don't know. I, I feel like my mom 
with with her mom is was probably like that where my mom wanted affection from my grandma and she probably never got that um i don't know i think it's a lot of it was like the opposite generational yeah, yeah very generational so my my mom always felt like she had to like support and stuff and i guess actually i guess it is right my and my sisters felt like maybe smothered or maybe not cared enough as much uh, so i i can i could see that like just from the outside looking in how it can resonate with mother daughters uh situations um without telling too much of my uh <laughs> my sister's side of things because i don't know what they were thinking when they were growing up as kids but i felt smothered um Fair enough. So. yeah i mean i think it like really it like touched on a lot of things that were like also really meaningful you know what i mean like you can't watch that movie and and say like okay you didn't learn something because it was a lot about self-discovery. It was a little bit about, you know, existential crisis and like, what is our meaning in life and death, <laughs> which was like, took me a little bit off guard. <laughs> That's something I was not expecting necessarily, but I, I mean, it's very real. Like in reality, Barbie's a reflection of, you know, Gloria. So whatever feelings she's feeling is what Barbie's feeling. So it doesn't surprise me that like, this is an outlet for women to speak, how are you feeling? You know what I mean? What do you on the day-to-day -day think? And you're like searching for purpose and maybe an outlet for creativity. She starts playing with her Barbies. And then you also, when that doesn't work and it doesn't bring you joy, then what? Like, what are you left to think? And it's a lot of it is like, am I enough? You know what I mean? All the darks, all the dark thoughts start to come through. And I feel like at the end of this, not only did they have the opportunity to like shape a story of you are enough, through Barbie's perspective, they shaped the story through Ken's perspective too, which is awesome. You know what I mean? I, I, I just feel like that was the over like arching theme. And I think it was a good one. You know what I mean? I, I almost feel like the comedy was a plus. The set design was a plus. Like I, I still feel like it's a, like standalone what, you know, Greta and her team are trying to get across definitely came through and in, in, in like a really authentic way, I would say. So Greta Thunberg and Noah Baumbach, actually, most of that script stayed the same made by the two of them when they brought it for notes. Oh, that's but most nice. of that script was her and her and her best bud just <clears throat> like hammering it out. Passion project. I love that. Yeah. yeah How often do you see that, you know, with a huge corporation's name on, on it? Not often, especially because it had been in like production for 15 years. 15 that's years. Crazy. And it went from Universal to Sony, to Warner Brothers Discovery. That's oh, crazy. Yeah, sorry. Greta, Greta Gerwig. <laughs> I know. I'm Thank like you. not one. I'm genuinely, Luigi knows this too. I'm so genuinely bad with names. You're lucky you're getting anything out of me. We were, we're on a first name basis. Because yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people yeah. that like, I don't know anybody. I'm like, you know, the guy from... But no, oh, that's me. That was Greta Gerwig every time, so I need to start. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I was obsessed with pretty much everything. I like that you get like a little bit of like a tragic, tragic love story because Ken does love Barbie, and Barbie doesn't love him back. And you like, you're also not like sold into this. Barbie has to be in love for her happy ending. She does. I she's not in love with him. Purposely done, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're tired of that story in this one. They were. That's not what they were looking for. Yeah, it's not, this isn't a princess. She's not a damsel in distress. She doesn't need, you know, a relationship at the end. And I also like that even at the end, I know it's kind of like silly, but at the end, she just goes to a gynecologist. I feel like that <laughs> was, could have come off as like dumb and I get that. But to me, it just, I kind of took it as like, 
she doesn't have to do anything extraordinary, right? She doesn't have to get a job. She doesn't have to be anything because she's just Barbie and that's it. And that's okay. We don't have to expect something, you know, pivotal for her at this moment. Health is important. Jason made a good point. point. Uh, Why would she be going to the gynecologist, Jason? Yeah. Jason. I would... Um, why would she be going to the gynecologist? No, I, I just, that was one thing. I personally, like, I didn't like the ending quite much because they, they, uh, throughout the whole movie, they made jokes about, like, them not having any genitals, Ken or Barbie, right? Because if you, I mean, obviously when you're... Yeah, and a Barbie does not have genitals. Right, right. I got the jokes. A doll I, doesn't, yeah. I got it, but, like, I, I, to me, what it felt like, you know, you have this whole story about, like, because um, I do like what you what you tacked on where America Ferreira, she... Who's ever playing that character, you can make that's how you played with Barbies. Like you made that character feel a certain way because that's what you were feeling in that time. So that's why she started to think about death. That's why she started crying and stuff, because the mother was the one that was actually playing with the doll. So she was feeling those emotions that she was feeling. So I love that. I loved all that. And so, like, you're building up all this, and like, and as well with Ken, like him realizing that like he all he wants to do is please barbie but he has to realize that hey you know she's her own person and all this stuff and he needs to find his own thing and his thing was barbie right so he you kind of he's like and that's when you get the song i'm just ken right like you i love that part but so like it's building up to all this and then like it kind of just ends with like oh like hey you're all your own person now you can do whatever you want i'm gonna go to the gynecologist i kind of just i don't know i don't know i just i feel like I think it was intentional. I think it was like uh, an intentional letdown because it's like, again, we're just putting expectations on a doll or a person. And it's like, why are we doing like, let's for a second, not do that. You know what I mean? Cause she even kind of pitches. What about ordinary Barbie? Like what if she doesn't have to be a doctor or she can be a doctor or she doesn't have to be a mother or she can't be a mother or she can just want to be a mother. Like any of those options are cool. None of them are the right path. End of the story is she's a woman. And really the only thing that's like, you know, somewhat of a shared experience for women is going to a gynecologist, which, you know, even like there's, I don't know, I feel like people doubt how, how women experience things. You know what I mean? I, I think we all kind not all, I don't want to generalize. I think going to a gynecologist is actually a big milestone for women, like genu- genuinely, you know what I mean? It's it's not something that you do until you're like an adult. Sometimes you have to do it a lot by yourself. You know what I mean? You're usually over 18. So it's like, if there's one, you know, something that intertwines us that isn't generalized, maybe going to an OBGYN is that, which, you know, even then you don't know, right? Like there's every type of woman you don't know, but I think that's kind of like where I think they wanted you to land there. You know what I mean? It was supposed to be like a anticlimactic with intention is kind of how I read it. Yeah. I, I guess if you put it that way, but still just didn't hit for me, dog. <laughs> yeah. Also it's like not a joke that would resonate, right? Like you're not going. Yeah, to not, not you not. Right. Yeah. I think that's exactly. I'm like, I don't think every joke has to hit with everybody because I think there was with every joke, no matter how niche it hit with somebody. And for me personally, I happen to fit in, just about every single one of those niches. So I was eating it up. I, I guess for me, it would be like a, not a comparison. Maybe, I guess the closest comparison I could think of is like if Ken was like, it ended with Ken, right? I was like, oh, what are you going to go do? I was like, oh, I'm going to go get my prostate check, right? Like, 
I don't know if I would have liked that. You know what I mean? Not the same thing. I know it's not the same thing. Not like, the same thing at all. Every guy has to go through that with that yeah. at some point. No. Right? no. I mean, it's recommended, but no, it's not. I, I, I get where you're going with it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought that's what you were going to say, and I was like, please don't say it, dude. Because I think it would thing. deliver uh, <laughs> kind of similarly to like kind of an anticlimactic climax. I think it would deliver in the same way. And if it yeah. went with like a joke, you know what I mean? Like the whole genitals thing, then I think it would tie in. But yeah, yeah, if it was out of nowhere, sure. I don't think it would make sense. But I don't think that the situation was that necessarily. Yeah, I mean, they can't. And I also was like two movie. seconds in the last scene. I, I felt like they, we all knew like what was going to happen. You find like one flaw and you're like, oh, that's kind of like Meg Stallion and, and, um, and like the Shrek, not Shrek. She She's green. Thank you. <laughs> she Hulk. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. It's like an end scene. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It was just funny for a second. It's no, it's it's okay. Like we can all take it back. That's not the one thing that I think should stand out from the film by any means. Yeah, well, that's yeah, it doesn't. It definitely. I would say I would say a lot of other parts of the film. To me, the the most interesting part that I found in the film is when she actually at the very end uh is talking to Ruth Handler and they're in that void of space and it's just got color and uh the depth with which they present visuals in that portion was like oh they're gonna they're probably gonna put this in for our oscar contention for screenplay original screenplay or adapted screenplay because it it definitely hit some things with that scene uh just in terms of like what the whole thing is like barbie is struggling with purpose right like Above all of the other themes, like Barbie's main theme is that she is struggling with purpose and depth to her life, right? She even says, I want to, I want to be the person that makes things, not the thing being made. Um, and that, that resonates, right? And then Ruth Handler is just like, I want you to know what life is really about before you go into it, right? And she talks about some of the terrible things, but then she holds her hand and you just see all these videos that you could tell her probably from the cast and crew of just like going through life and like and having joys, having sorrows, uh, just going day to day. And like at the end of the day, life is worth living because it's it's beautiful in that sense. Like you live for the small moments. Uh, I thought that was just pretty. It was heavy for kids, but I thought it was pretty amazing to watch in the film. Uh, yeah, I think she quotes she makes that quote which oof just like knife in the heart made me want to hug my mom so bad we mothers stand still so that our daughters can see how far they've come stop playing with me that tears <laughs> tears i'm like come on that was so good yeah and yeah they did I, I i saw an interview greta had done with like some random person no just kidding it was an interviewer he said that like he saw his friend in the little you know snippets and then she's like that's so crazy because we did get them from the cast so you, you guys knew someone mutually and whatever so yeah those those did come from cast cast which i love and i wanted to ask tom uh i know we saw it together but tom what did you think of the uh, ken storyline man like i thought like don't get me wrong men are the butt of a lot of the jokes obviously it's a barbie movie but ken's storyline does have some pretty uh interesting pieces to it that that I that I didn't expect to see in this movie. No, yeah, man. Um, first off, I guess you can say like Ryan Gosling, perfect casting. Um, it was just cool to see him 
you know, just kind of say fuck it and like fully. I, I wonder what that discussion must have been like, like when he was being cast and when she was it like hey. a lot of convincing. Yeah, I mean, because he's doing full singing and dancing numbers, like it's something you know. All his roles are complete opposite of that, so like just the genius in itself to be like, hey, let's get someone that's not really known for this, but like let's put him into this role, put him into this world. It was cool to see him like just nail it. Um, perfect Ken. Um, and like we were saying with everything, it was very intentional. Like she, obviously he was a big part of the messaging of, you know, what portraying what guys could be, what they could be viewed as. And um, yeah, it was just like everything in the movie is very like well-intentioned, but also like his just goofiness, his, he was like, obviously for all the guys watching that, he was kind of our like into the movie itself. Um, and yeah, just fucking hilarious. Uh, there was so many. I think he was the funniest part of the movie. He almost kind of stole the show for me. Um, but I guess that was the point, too. You know, like he was supposed to be like the entertainment for for the whole movie, but for dudes and, and just when he goes full can, it's awesome. And yeah, I just really I really enjoyed it. He he did a great job. I, uh... I think he went method for it. He went method. method. He was like doing his press completely in character. Yeah. But yeah, I was uh, gonna say that in some of his interviews, uh, they asked him like, uh, "What would a day? What would a perfect day for Ken be?" And he answered, "It's like, it's like you know when so like if Barbie were to walk by and she were to drop something, but she didn't notice, and then he picks it up and he runs to her, he's like, oh hey, you dropped this,' and she turns around and says thanks. He's like, oh my god, oh, perfect day." it was exactly that in the he like gave that energy in the movie like when he's like barbie you are very brave ken like the way that just like the physical comedy i was so impressed yeah Yeah. (laughs) so good he was he did a great job i was trying to think like who else would i have casted and the only person that I can think of, and he was giving me that energy, was Justin Timberlake. When he would do a lot of, like, that goofy SNL stuff, mm-hmm. that's what Ryan Gosling was giving me in that. And I was, like, so happy because, like, how many guys do you see do that? You know what I mean? It's, like, it must be hard to break out, you know what I mean, in a role that is so heavy, like, comedy. And I think he did a great job. I think he did a, I hope it, like, opens new doors for him. You know what I mean? I, I want to see him in more funny th- things because I think he did great. Yeah, I know he came out uh, in, a, in a movie with Russell Crowe. The name isn't coming to mind right the now. The other guys? Is it the other guys? I thought the other guys was uh, no. Will Ferrell. The nice guys. guys. The nice guys. The nice guys. The nice guys. guys. The nice yeah, yeah. guys. That's another comedic role, but it's a lot more subtle. With this one, he goes all in on it, and it's just hilarious. Like when he's when he's trying to stay the night with Barbie, and she's like, it's girls' night. He's like, every night's girls' night. And then she walks away and leaves, right? And he's like, no, I have to go. Yeah! And the dance, I was like, that's fucking hilarious. Just the little things that he does he in the scenes, man. They cracked yeah. me up. They cracked me up. And yeah. watching him, like, realize, because for me, Ken was a metaphor of how, like, women are treated in everyday life, right? Like, it was very clear, like, the roles are switched. Ken is treated the way women are treated in our world. And like, just to see him like struggle with seeing that there's another place where they have all the power and then come back to it and like, see all the things that he, that he wants played out, but he doesn't get it where he wants. 
is uh is is pretty uh it said a lot to me there i was like damn i didn't even think of those little things like when he's walking into that century city building and you don't even know what building it is but you see like all of the all of the pictures of uh dollar bills like with different men on the covers of it you see sylvester stallone like it's all in our it's all in our culture and i was like ah i see I loved the scene where he's like negotiating with people to like get a job and they're like, no, you need a medical degree. No, you need a, you need a PhD. You're going to need an MBA. You're going to need something. And the guy's like, you're not doing patriarchy very well. He's like, oh no, we do it well. We just hide it better. <laughs> I love yeah, that. Yeah. When he goes to the doctor, I mean, you've seen this in the previews, right? <laughs> but he's just like, uh, and she's like, no, you cannot do an appendectomy. You can't, you can't. He's like, just one. Yeah, let me just speak to the doctor. Oh, doctor, doctor, how are you? Like, Can you give me a pen? <laughs> yeah. oh, and his man. obsession with horses, the Ken's, <laughs> uh, Mojo Dojo Casa House, it was all it was all so ridiculous. Yeah, the Mojo Dojo Casa House is dope. <laughs> um, that was pretty hilarious. I like seeing the John Cena cameo. That was dope. He was oh, with Dua Lipa, right? Oh, that's that was, right. Yeah. He's yeah, a surfer, yeah. Ken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was trying to figure out who the female mermaid was, and I was like, is that Dua Lipa? Yeah, she did sure. a song for the album. The album's fire, too. I'm not going to lie. Album's yeah. good. Billie Eilish did a great song, which she's so good at such songs. Cool. But she just hit that one out the park. Of course, she you have to have Lizzo in there, you know? That, it Absolutely. Just fit perfect. It fit perfect. Naturally. Yeah, and okay. she's, uh, she, I like how she's narrating through the beginning of it, too. Hey, I wasn't done singing. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. She's all, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and stupid. And then at the end, did you get the se the one on the second day? K, death. You're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved it. It was hilarious. And yeah. honestly, coming out of the movie, I was like, this is the perfect movie. I had to like search for criticisms because I like wanted to see this movie was made for me, obviously. And I loved it. I'm like curious what other people um, like thought of it or like potential criticisms. And I feel like naturally it was like, you know, reverse sexism, which that's a loaded topic and, and an oxymoron in itself. So I won't, you know, I won't break that one down. It's maybe too controversial. I don't know. Then like, oh, it's not for kids, but I'm like, it's rated PG-13. Like Anchorman's rated PG-13. You know what I mean? Blades of Glory is rated PG-13. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it really would have resonated with, like, young kids because it's just too complex, I think. Yeah, that, but I still I'm, thought it was appropriately rated. Uh, uh, to me, that's why I thought it wasn't for kids. Like, there's some themes in there that Katya just, she just didn't, it didn't yeah, click. You know, like, it wasn't there. But for a teenager, you could, you could see. I feel like a teenage girl watching this would obsess over this. Movie. Absolutely. Because I remember as a teenager, the first movies that I saw that had like depth to them, I was like obsessed with them. I was like, I didn't know movies could be this. I didn't know this this could happen in film. And then I'd just like jump in. For the, There was a good while where I was obsessed with Donnie Darko, but I don't want to get into that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like how then, Eric just, oh. <laughs> I, But I also like tried to see like, okay, what's the, what other criticisms were out there? And one thing that I wanted to bring up, because I just feel like it's a good point, but even then, I'm like, okay, we're not supposed to, like, solve world hunger with this movie. But, like, one thing that got brought up was just, like, okay, it's not talking about the intersectionality, like, 
you know, there's no representation or like storyline specific for like women of color, which I feel like is already a layer on upon a layer upon a layer. I don't think that that would have translated. But what I actually genuinely loved about this movie is I feel like they cast, um, you know, their actors and actresses to play like, you know, Ken's and Barbie's like the main group. They like casted them with a lot of intention for them to be spokesmen because like America has a TED talk, you know what I mean? About her identity. Issa Rae, she's got that like, you know, speech where she's, it, there's like a lot, these people kind of represent other, Hari Neff, she's, you know, a trans woman. So it wasn't like shoved down. I don't think intersectionality was like shoved down anybody's throat in this I first didn't movie. I was a trans person until I saw yeah. it. Right before I yeah. saw it, time with Gabby. Yeah, and I think I think that's like kind of the point. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, women come in all shapes and forms and colors and sizes. And like we don't have to talk about it every single time. You know what I mean? It these people these women stand alone and they they speak for themselves. Like you can always look into these women and see that the work they're all activists, really. Even like Kate McKinnon, you know what I mean? Like they're all very, you know, pro feminist movement. And I feel like they casted it to do their PR work for them. You know what I mean? Like they knew what they were doing. These people are so smart and like so accomplished. And it's like, I would buy anything that they sell basically because I love them so much. Yeah, I think that was, yeah, as you mentioned, very perfectly done. And all of them were really good at what they do. I mean, you can see uh, Simu Liu in a couple of scenes, like my favorite, one of my favorite lines in the movie is like, you look so cool when he's talking to Ken on top of the rooftop. I fucking cracked up i was like i loved how and gabby pointed this out like all the guys in the movie supported each other and all the girls support each other in the movie i was like ah that's cool that shows the camaraderie within the movie so that was you know, all, all the guys except alan man <laughs> alan oh my god love for alan justice for alan he did he still had ken's back like watching it a second time every time something bad happened to ken alan looked like you wanted to fucking cry for him you're like oh that's still his pal that's still his home. Yeah, still his and all his clothes fit him. So and all his nice. clothes fit. <laughs> all his clothes fit me. Uh. All his clothes fit him. Yeah, shout out to Alan for sure. And I think Greta had done some like team bonding activities, and I feel like that that shows in the movies. And I saw this interview that Simulu had done where he was saying that Greta not force them <laughs> encouraged i don't know as like a team bonding experience she separated all the guys and had them work out and then all the girls had a slumber party <laughs> oh no yeah, okay you guys go and then you have i feel like they must have built a bond though i feel like the bond was there and that could have happened in in the gym we don't know Working oh yeah you know what they can yeah they definitely can yeah that, that you definitely like hype each other up at the gym so that makes sense. That makes sense. Oh man, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Right. Like the way they hype each other up in the in the movie, I could see how that kind of stemmed a little bit from there. Uh, I did want to go a couple over a couple more things before we move on to Oppenheimer, uh, but little known thing here: um, bus scene was actually supposed to be cut from the movie. If you guys remember the bus scene where she turns, that's actually the costume designer. She's an Oscar winner. Uh, and she turns to her. It doesn't lead anywhere in the movie. It doesn't add to anything from the film. But I was I was talking off pot about this to Angelica. And uh, I felt like it encapsulated one of the bigger themes of the film, which is like, you are enough, right? Like you are, you have to value yourself in any form. And she just turns to this older woman. It's like, you're beautiful. The woman's like, I know, because she doesn't have that issue, right? She already values herself. 
Uh, and they wanted her to cut that from the film, but Greta Gerwig was like, nah, we're, we're keeping this, we're keeping this one scene. Uh, I thought that was pretty powerful. Yeah, she was I know. the costume or set designer? Oh, was it set? I don't know. I think you're right. I think it was costume. I was just trying to remember. What'd you think of it, Thomas? Oh, uh, no, just, I was going to say like, that's, I had heard that too, that they were like insistent on cutting it and she like fought them to the death about it. But like you said, um, like that it had no implication to the story of the movie but if you think about it like it really did like barbie was having her crisis her breakdown like and she needed someone to like just kind of like while she was in this you know like real world scenario and just like not feeling it she needed someone there and like i think it did add to the story and it was just yeah it was a cool scene yeah i thoroughly enjoyed it one of my favorite gags though was at the beginning of the movie, Barbie's drinking stuff, but nothing's coming out. And then in the real world, they handed her a sparkling water. Just <laughs> that shit in her face. I cracked up both times watching that fucking part. I thought it was fucking hilarious. Uh, Jason, were there any parts that stood out to you that made you laugh on this one? Uh, pr- pretty much everything that you guys already said. So I, it's already been said. You guys took yeah. everything. From- I can come up with more. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, there, were, there were tons of scenes in that movie. After watching it a second time, I was like, oh, man. Like, uh, again, Ken's obsession with horses. It was fucking great. Once I found out the patriarchy wasn't about horses, I lost interest anyway. <laughs> Will Ferrell, shout out to Will Ferrell. He didn't oh, yeah. have a lot of lines. He was fucking hilarious again. And his, like, whole board of executives I mean, rent was due and they were acting. They had no lines, but if you watch their faces, they like they were really out there. You know what I mean? I just I loved it. Everyone did a great job. Hands to get into the SUVs like little kids. <laughs> They're holding hands. He says like EOG, that means end of day. I'm like, I can't. I can't handle how dumb he is. I love it. I love him so much. My my favorite Will Ferrell line, I'm a big Will Ferrell fan, as we all know in this spot. But my favorite line was like, what do you think I got into this business for? It wasn't for the bottom line. It was about little girls and their dreams in the least creepy way possible. <laughs> I kind of love that for him. That. Ally, man. That's so funny. Oh, that shit cracked me up in the least creepy way possible. <laughs> yeah, bro. I think that um, one and then the joke, uh, I don't know if you guys already brought it up, where they are talking about like, that Margot Robbie is like the worst casting for someone that's supposed to be like not She's uh, so pretty, and that's supposed to be superficial Barbie. Yeah. Oh yeah, she was like, I'm uh, th- we. She's saying that she feels ugly and uh, wh- whatever else it may be. Yeah, we were talking about that. Well, no, on the real too, Margot it's Robbie like is the worst person to cast if you want to make <laughs> <this> point. <laughs> on the real though, like since they're put up like, you know, with magnifying glass, like just people tearing them apart because they're in Hollywood, I wouldn't be surprised if Margot has felt ugly before, which is such a ridiculous statement because she's just so beautiful. But you're like, yeah, damn. Like, even in that moment, I believe you when you're crying and saying you don't feel pretty. I believe you. I feel like you don't feel pretty. You know what I mean? She had to have felt that in her life. And I feel like she was pulling on those life experiences because I really bought it. Uh-huh. Yeah, true thespian, man. She. She did a great job. I think my only complaint was that I kind of wanted more for her storyline. Yeah. Uh, but I, I understand that that probably would have made the movie too long because uh, America Fitted's storyline and uh, Ken's storyline did take up a good amount, and they were pretty. They were pr- they were fantastic. Those two storylines were great. There were three different arcs in this film, and they all they all hit it pretty well for me. 
anything else you guys want to add before we move into Oppenheimer? Oh, I heard, I heard, I don't know if you guys have heard this, because I, I don't really trust like my sources because I just listen to social media, but Mattel's going to come out with like more movies after this? They have like uh, other yeah. stuff lined up? I heard that. Um, I think they said Polly Pocket, right? <gasps> I love Polly Pocket! <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, they're also going to do, um, what's the other toy? It's um, not G.I. Joe. Uh, it slips my mind. But yeah, they're going to do a Hot couple Wheels? of them. Do they own Hot Wheels? Uh, oh, just because just, just this is what I do on Room 303 as executive producer. There's 14 projects for Mattel in the what? works right now. I'll go, I'll go through them all with you here. I'm just going to run through them quick because I don't know what most of these are. But number one is Matchbox. Number two is Big Jim. Number three is Thomas the Tank Engine. Okay. Four oh. is Chatty Cathy and Betsy Wetsy. Uh, five is Viewmaster. Six is American Girl. Seven is Magic Eight Ball. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce that, so I'm skipping it. Nine, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. <laughs> um, Major Matt Messon, Polly Pocket, Barney, Hot Wheels, and Masters of the Universe. Also, oh, they're doing He Man. Okay. Uh, I hear the Barney. The Barney film is going to be aimed at our generation and is going to be. It sounds. Now that it's Barney. Uh, it's now Nolan's that next Barney. film, bro. No, I hate Barney. Barney. <laughs> bro, you're wrong. You're wrong, Jason. I'm just going to say that. Um, it sounds like it's going to be existential in the sense that Barbie was as well. So I'm pretty excited to see Barney because I grew up with Barney. I loved Barney. Apparently, I, I did too. That show. But, uh, yeah, that, that's a lot of projects. Okay. So, How last thing I want to say. Oh, go ahead, bro. Because so, uh, I just, I, I like to read into the articles. So, in addition to the Barbie movie, they have the 14 movies that have been announced uh, with reportedly over 40 films in some type of developmental stage. Um, uh, Mattel, or Matt, is it Mattel? Mattel. Mattel, Mattel. Mattel whatever. Um, the famous toy brand is set to mark itself as one of the biggest new entertainment franchises in the industry. So it looks like they're coming out swinging. They want a piece of the pie. I mean, yeah. you, you saw how Nintendo did with uh, Super Mario Brothers. It's working. Barbie's working. Like People like this this intellectual property. I don't know, I, I I just, don't know if that's the way movies are going to go now because you see I mean, as much as both of the movies we're talking about are either a historical piece or like something that has existed. They're both existed before. So I'm interested to see like how box office is going to change that. Really, it has my, to be something my, pre-existing. My my only concern with these things is is I I don't want to see what Marvel's done successfully and what DC has failed miserably at. Not all the characters. Not there doesn't need to be multiple or multiple universes. We don't need to see. Just make their own movies. Like let these yeah. people have their own movie. We don't, we don't need to start mixing everything in, getting crazy with it. Like. Just, just let them have like exist in their own world, and that's. I, I'm just tired of them trying to mix everything in, and like with Super Mario, like, I'm not gonna get into it, but you can tell they're trying to do that, and it's like, no, just keep the game separate. Well, what? with Mario, it's kind of different though because you have like Mario Party that has Donkey Kong and all that stuff, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I was yeah, but Mario, like nothing came out in it that was from another game. Except Donkey Kong, but still Donkey Kong. The it's, first Donkey Kong game was Donkey Kong and Mario. Yeah, it might work better with 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 Mar with the Mar like uh, the Nintendo world. It might work better with that, but it just seems like everybody's trying to do that. And then 
they don't need to all exist yeah. in the same universe. Like we can have, or they can exist independently. I get what you're saying. DC, take notes. This is pretty much aimed at you. You don't have to connect them all before making a good movie. Take your time. Yeah, take your time. Take your time. I will say, though, in The Flash, like, damn, I wanted to see a Ben Affleck Batman movie after that. I was like, I would watch his movie. He looked fucking dope. Uh, Jason, I know you haven't seen it. Eric, I don't know if you watched it or if you agree. Every Thursday, if a movie comes out, I'm there. Mine is Barbie because it was sold out. <laughs> you know that's 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 gonna be the next one you watch then i'm still hoping that haunted i'm Man- going tomorrow actually i'm gonna try to see haunted mansion tomorrow but all right uh i love like i i'm gonna end it on i loved barbie i thought it was great i ended up liking it even more the second time i watched it um what would you rate it huh, what would i rate it i'm gonna go with a 7.7. I think I'm going 7.7. Yeah, it was, it was a damn good movie. I I would argue that I could raise it up to an 8, but right now I want to be conservative because I always over I always overrate things, so I'm going to try to conser- be, be a little more conservative. Yeah, like watch it in six months and then see how you feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see if I still feel the same way. Yeah. I'm still remembering how much I, I enjoyed Thor and then watching it again. I was like, oh, this was bad. I see what I was saying. This was really bad. My bad. Uh, so I'm at I'm at a seven point seven. Jason, where are you at on it? I uh, give it a six point eight. Six point eight. Yeah. Eric has not seen it. Uh, Tom, what would you rate it? Uh, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it an eight, man. I'm gonna give it an eight because I just feel like uh, I feel like with time and age, this movie is only gonna be more relevant. Um, and yeah, I just enjoyed it. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't. It was a hard thing to do, like execute a Barbie movie, and I feel like she just like really nailed it. And um, yeah, I'll give it an eight, man, because I feel like it's gonna age well. I feel like this is like a like a Mean Girls type of movie where like just it's gonna define like a generation. You know, people will look back and be like, "Oh, this was this was that movie like that just everybody knew like almost every line and all that type of stuff." So I'll give it an eight, man. I liked it a lot. I feel like in six months I'll probably be like eight points, whatever. But I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to be conservative <laughs> and not go too high with it. You guys are probably gonna get annoyed with my Oppenheimer numbers. <laughs> uh, Angelica, what what do you rate it? I'm similar to you. I'm excited. I'm like running on endorphins right now. So it's feeling like a ten out of ten. It's feeling like a ten out of ten. I don't know how else to uh, truly. I think it'll maybe I'll reel it in. Um and it'll eventually be a nine, but like right now, yeah, it's abs- it's a ten out of ten night. I've never, I don't think I've ever gone to a movie theater a second time to see a movie. I don't think that's ever happened. Um, I can't think of a time. So this is the first time that that's ever happened. So that's why I'm like, I feel like it's a ten out of ten for me personally. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's made for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense, and it is it is aimed at women. I, I thoroughly think I'm going to end somewhere in the mid to high eights by the time I... I actually already know my rating for this movie. <laughs> you gave me you oh, gave yeah. me two hours of Ryan Gosling. It's 9.5 or higher, dude. All right? <laughs> That's just how it is for Eric. All right? Man Crush Monday, Man Crush Tuesday, Man Crush Wednesday. It's Ryan Gosling. All right? You know, Ryan 9.5 never, or higher. He was never a crush for me. He is after this movie. I love He him. wasn't until I saw Mm-mm. Crazy Stupid Love and then... That man cannot miss for me. It's that goofy energy. I love that. Yeah, um, really well in this movie. Like, real. Well. 
Ryan Gosling became my man crush at Remember the Titans. That's how early. Got me early, dude. <laughs> I could beat you on that. Uh, I was I became a Gosling fan in Young Hercules that came out on the Fox Kids Network. Now you're, just trying to, now you're just trying to one up people, dude. Don't <laughs> don't do that. Oh, what? Man. You said you didn't say it, Eric. Come on. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. So we're gonna we're gonna move on though. We're gonna go into uh, Oppenheimer. Now, this is a historical film based on uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer, the father, as he is known, of the atomic bomb. Christopher Nolan-directed film. Cast includes Cillian Murphy, Florence Pugh. It's got Matt Damon, Emily Blunt. Uh, Rami Malek comes out in it. If I'm forgetting someone, please tell me. Josh Hartnett. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, that's right. He plays President Truman, that's right. The Josh Peck. Josh Peck comes out in it. Jack Quaid. Jack Dane Quaid DeHaan. comes out in it from The Boys. Robert uh, Downey. Robert Downey, oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Kenneth uh, uh, Bra- Brana, he's the one that played the villain in uh, Tenet. Uh, and what's his Florence name? Uh, Han Solo. Yeah, Florence, Florence Pugh. She's definitely in it. She's definitely in it. Uh, the guy that plays Han Solo, I forget his name. Uh, oh, his name is Alden. Uh, oh, Aaron, Reich. Aaron Reich. There we go. Thank you, sir. Aaron Reich. Yeah. So I mean, just every person you see, uh, Casey Affleck is in it as well. And man, I heard I heard someone describe it. Film. Say what? Oh no, I heard someone describe it as the cast is every white male in Hollywood from twenty eight to forty. So I was like, oh, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could see that. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you you really only get I guess for for women in this film you you get Florence Pugh and Emily Blunt but damn they both do like I would say uh, uh, coming out of this movie Emily Blunt and uh, Robert Downey Jr. should get nominated for best supporting actor and actress like they just every scene they're in they don't have to say or do much they are eating up the screen. Uh, so I, I hope that they get the, the nomination. Cillian Murphy, uh, for the work he put into this movie, should get nominated as well. I don't know if he's going to win, but he should definitely get nominated. Uh, Eric, what are you thinking? You got a face like, are you sure? <laughs> uh, when, when we when we get into it a little bit more, I'll, I'll give you my take on it. But yeah, I don't want to I don't want to get too much into it because then I'll just start rolling and rolling. But <laughs> I, I have a, I have I have a I have a, a differing opinion than you on that. I do have a question, because um, is it Killian Murphy or Cillian Murphy? Because I, I was I hear, about to say, bro, it's Killian. It's Killian. Okay. Yeah, Because yeah. yeah. I hear both honestly, and I'm like, I, I don't know what's right. So because those um, people are uneducated. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they they think they know English. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Also, another fun little fact before we get on to um, uh, into like Oppenheimer, uh, Killian. Uh, so. It, this weekend that came out, right? Um, there was two actors, uh, two of the main actors in this movie, right? The main actor for Barbie and the main actor for uh, Oppenheimer, both played a psychotic, uh, a doctor in Arkham Asylum that turned psychotic, right? Uh, he played Scarecrow, yeah. and then uh, Margot Robbie played obviously um, Harley Quinn. Green Quinzel, that's yeah. right. Yeah. It's just a lot of similar similarities to it. There's a lot of weird connections between the two movies, from what I understand. I was like, huh, yeah, that's interesting. 
uh, I think there was there was also consideration for God. Some, they were considering someone else for for Ken, who was in the Oppenheimer movie before they got Ryan Gosling. But I'll have to get back to you guys on that because I didn't save the story. Um, the original score on this film is probably one of the best I've ever heard in terms of immersing you in the movie. Like, I don't know if it's amazing, like, if I just listen to it, but for the film... No, it is. Like, <laughs> no, it is, is though. It like it is. I've only been bumping it, like, the last week, just, like, at the gym, driving around, doing nothing. Really? Like, yeah. That's... I think, uh, yeah, Tom, you're right. And, like, uh, I think what Luigi said earlier about it, I think the score really just makes the movie that much better. It's just like your basic Nolan score films, like a Tenet, Interstellar, freaking Inception. It's just like the music kind of really makes it more that much more impactful. Because if you take someone, I saw someone uh, write a review. If you, if you take out that music, it would feel more like a documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, this made it feel more like a like a thriller, and you're actually in the movie. And, and people were jumping in their seats when there were certain parts of the the film. Yeah, and you really felt the bomb, you know, you do. with the sound. I don't know. It was just crazy. And uh, oh, you feel like, I don't know if he's got anxiety or whatever it may be, but like those moments where he's overstimulated and you can see him just trying to formulate his thoughts and it's all caving in and then boom, it clears out and he comes out with his argument. You're like, hey, it, I feel like I understand what's going on through his head right now. Yeah, it gave me anxiety, like the steps and like he's walking through it and like the people like... I felt like the anxiety for him. I was like, I really felt that. And I think the sound is very for this film, like music and just like the sound quality when it would split into like, it would cut to different scenes and you can see the splitting of the atoms and stuff like that. And how he depicted, depicted the splitting of atoms that causes like a, a chain reaction to cause an explosion, like just those little quick scenes. And then go back to the scene. Right. I thought that was beautifully done. Like the cinematography was just out of this world with what they were able to do with just, scenes of making a bomb like it's not even that action-packed but you just felt the intensity of all of it just the way he would go go in and out of certain things and like the way he would um i don't know especially towards the end you see killian murphy like talking about like the end of the world and like did did i did, did we destroy the world uh you see uh when it's raining and drop droplets in the puddle and like that expanding he it kind of to me it was like a metaphor of nukes that we have set off in the past for testing or whatever um and what it could lead to of just if world war three were to start all these nukes would get sent off and that's like the end of the world and kind of just like foreshadowing like the cold war and stuff i thought it was amazing no it was it was very well done i thought one of my favorite one of my favorite abstract scenes uh by the way both movies have a lot of abstract scenes in them now that i think about it uh, what, one of my favorite abstract scenes in Oppenheimer is the buildup of those white static lines that he sees in his mind. And when he finally figures out what he wants to make, which is like what he wants to be able to split the atom correctly, like and make the bomb, like you can see it slowly starting to turn into what looks like a part of an atom. And I, I thought that was very clever on Nolan's part. I was like, oh, you've been having to try to figure out what these white lines are. Boom, they're there. Because at first I was like, "Oh, that's just uh, that's just uh, showing his uh, his his anxiety, his stress over whatever he's doing." And then you see it turn into the, the bomb, and he's able to figure out what he's doing. the The genius of Oppenheimer in this film is in every single scene. By the way, uh, 
even the small ones when he meets one of his friends on a train and he's like and he's just no i apologize he's meeting florence Pugh, uh and he's talking about how he's just barely learning he's barely learning a lang- the dutch language just overnight to give a speech and she's just like oh so you learned that over you learned that in just a, a couple of days just to give a speech he's like ah, oh, it's, it's it's fairly new to me but you're like damn if if this movie is as historically accurate as they say it is, and that from what I have seen and studied, it seems like that could very well have been something that happened between that Oppenheimer would have done. A couple of other things I did want to mention on this: uh, they actually filmed at the Los Alamos house. Uh, at the, from what I understand, at the request of Killian Murphy and Emily Blunt, they wanted to get as far into character as possible. So the scenes at the house at Los Olmos between the two of them uh, is is the actual home of J. Robert Oppenheimer. Oh, wow. uh, this whole film is pretty much based on American Prometheus, so we know that. And uh, one of the one of the funnier things that I didn't did not know was that Truman did actually call Robert Oppenheimer a crybaby when he expressed uh, he expressed some regrets about making the bomb, where he said, "I fear I have blood on my hands, Mr. President." Uh, he, he did really say, like, get that. I don't want to see that crybaby cry ever again. Yeah, bro. That whole scene was, tr- like, historically fact- factual. It's so crazy. That's insane. Yeah, and those were things that, that uh, Truman would say. He would say that I made that choice. I wanted to drop that bomb. Uh, he expressed no regrets about the bomb in his lifetime, from what I understand. He was very, from what I understand, very giddy once the bomb was created. So that's all very accurate. He was a man who had a he had a chip on his shoulder. He had a lot to prove in his life. Not like Robert Oppenheimer, who very clearly didn't need to prove a whole lot. He, he knew what he wanted. I, I do like how they because it was true. Like he was racing against the Soviets and the Germans to create this bomb because they figured out how to split the atom, right? Or like that, that theory. Like as soon as he found that out, like he instantly was like someone's going to try and if we can do this and like, that's how smart he is. Like they figured how to do this. They're going to figure it out how to weaponize it soon. And we need to, we need to beat them to the punch before they do that. So it's, it's a matter of like, it was going to happen either way, but it was kind of like, we need to do this before, you know, the Germans, the Nazis do it. Uh, and also the Soviets are probably already working on it as well. They're just not sharing the, the, um, the Intel with each other. Um, also, I, I am finding out that there was uh, spies in Los Alamos and everywhere, all that stuff. I didn't know that. Um, so that yeah, was real. That's the reason yeah, the Soviets got the bomb. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, the whole trial and stuff. Like it was, I did not know all that. So I thought very educational. I was like, damn, that is crazy. Yeah, the Soviets directly got the atom bomb from the research of the Manhattan Project. And then they moved forward with creating the hydrogen bomb as well. Uh, so they were they were step in step with us after they they were able to catch up through espionage. All of that was historically accurate. Um, I do feel like they could have put more, but they did show that he was regretful. But from what I have seen, he was pretty remorseful about having created the bomb for the rest of his life. He 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 struggled with it for the rest of his life. Until he died, uh, I think he was 62, yep, 62, uh, of throat cancer. Yeah, in 1967. 
uh, I was talking with someone off pod, and they're like, I'm sure the re- radiation is still, it was probably a part of that as well, because all of those people did get exposed to radiation through the test bombings. So that would, that would have to be something that would be considered as well. Maybe it could have weakened his body. Uh, don't know for sure. Uh, he, after having, after having spent several years um, advocating for not using nuclear weapons, not going against armament, uh, a little bit before his death, actually, in 1965, he gave an interview uh, where he talked about how he felt that uh, him, him and his team had the pride of thinking that they knew what was good for man and that was their ultimate sin because at the end of the day they created something that probably didn't have exact implications of what he wanted but he struggled he still struggled with it because it was it's still an amazing invention like objectively stepping away from like how terrible of a weapon it is the fact that they were able to figure out how to turn this into a bomb like that is pretty fucking amazing what that bomb does that, that's like my biggest thing with non-movie related about it is is he carries that weight, that burden. Obviously, that's a huge burden to carry. Tens and tens and thousands of people died, but um, he didn't make the choice to drop it. And also, um, if you look at it from like a like a geopolitical global standpoint, the world is the way it is right now. Because we had that and we did that, and it allowed the U.S. to become that superpower. I mean, obviously, defeating the Germans twice, blah blah blah, all this other shit. But um, that right there, that and I think they touched it. Like at the end of the movie, it talks about like it, him being like the probably the most important person in American history. Like because yeah. he, like we, we had the democracy, we had all of our, you know, all of America's great history, or whatever. But without that, without winning that race for that, and and you know, unfortunately, the, it being used the landscape of the world looks completely different. So how does it weigh out? You know, he didn't make the decision to drop it. He did build it, but he, in his heart, he built it, you know, for a good cause. Yeah. And the way, the way things ended up playing out in life after, like I, it's, you know, as Americans, you know, we benefited from it. We live and we exist in the world now today, the way it is because literally because of that bomb. Yeah. I mean, if you notice, he did say one thing. He predicted that there would be changes in human behavior. And he mm-hmm. talked about how, like, at least there was a phone line between the Soviet Union and the United States since they both had atomic bombs. And you look at today, we've, I mean, the United States has gone to war in Korea. They've gone to war in um, everywhere. They've gone to war in Afghanistan, <laughs> Vietnam. None of those countries have atomic bombs. If there's a country that has an at- has atomic bombs, you bet your ass we're going to have more conversations, you know, before before we decide to move into war. That's why we haven't had a war with Russia. That's why we haven't had a war with the Chinese, even though they are aggressively expansive, right? We we are sitting here wondering if if anything is going to happen with Taiwan, if and when it's going to happen. Uh, and I think these conversations happen because uh, we. Both sides don't want to go into a war with a power that has atomic bombs. No, exactly, man. Um, there's just, yeah, so many implications of, of what happened there. And yeah, um, I could get into it. If you guys are ready, I'm ready to give you my full 
Uh, I'm gonna channel Angelica's energy for Barbie because that's how that's how I felt. So you know, I had to get my glasses for this Trinity test. Um, there you go. Bomb drops. You know, put the put the mask on my face. Get going. Uh, we're talking about podcast professionals here, Eric. So I had to get my my Trinity test glasses. But um, this movie, fucking. Wow. Okay, I think we can all agree we're we're all big Nolan heads here, right? Um, I know Jason, Eric, even Luigi for all his uh, uh, stabs at Haterism. Nolan in movies that he uh, needs to rewatch. I think we can Listen, all agree. You know, one. It's just one. I don't know why you guys defend that movie so badly. It's just <laughs> one movie that he was mediocre on. You know what I'm saying? The rest. Fair enough, fair yeah. But, um, yeah, man, the way I saw this movie... Obviously, I saw it with you, Luigi, but um, I we're a major bias on Nolan films. He is my favorite director, so I guess that can be said before. Um, but to me, this is this is our Barbie. This is my Barbie. This is a, a ten of ten um, from the score, the editing. Really, nobody like if you really really think about it, nobody besides Nolan can do a movie like this. Um, given it's like even when I first heard like his next movie is about Oppenheimer. I was like, how, how is he going to tell this story and make it interesting, much less a Nolan movie? You know, it's, it's literally three hours of dialogue and people talking in rooms. And just like, there is, of course, the interesting human aspects that we've been talking about. But I was really just like, how, how is he going to pull this off? You know, this doesn't seem like something that he would do or that would fit his style. But once you see it, once you fully, like... I told you guys in the chat, I feel like this is all of his movies, the best parts of them rolled into like, okay, this is him really just saying this is my, like, I know what I'm doing. I've done action. I've done like the big franchises. I've done historical dramas before with Dunkirk. You know, it's, it's all of that rolled into one. And to me, he just nailed it. Um, It's cool because I was looking up. um, So obviously the editing in this movie, it's super quick to be a historical drama with this much uh, topic, subject matter. It had to be quick, so this is going like at a breakneck speed. Um, and his editor, Jennifer uh, Lame, Lame, I believe, Jennifer Lame, um, it's cool, he kind of has the same team that he keeps working with. She was the editor for Tenet, uh, for Interstellar, Hereditary, Wakanda Forever, so she's done a lot of movies. Um, and then the score, or I'm sorry, the cinematography, um, Hoyt Van Hoytema. Um, he also did Dunkirk. He also did Interstellar. Um, he did Nope recently. So it's it's just cool to see like this trio of him being the director, uh, his sound with Ludwig Gornson, cinematography, editing. It's, it's all, it is Nolan, but it's cool to just see his team really like, I feel like they all just showed out like in every aspect um, and just... Yeah, man. What what can you say about it? Um, the Trinity test. I think obviously that's what everyone went to go see. Like, how's this bomb gonna drop? You know, the climax of it. I think it was brilliant, just cutting the sound out completely. Like, uh, chef's kiss on that because you know you expected like the loudest explosion you're ever gonna see. You know, I mean IMAX, like it's gonna be loud. And the fact that they went like total opposite on that and just like cut the cut the sound completely, re- really let the the moment soak in per se um, was just like beautiful. Um, so there's that. I- I'm just gonna ramble here, guys. You can like interject at any point, but um... oh, Tom. Well, I- <laughs> thank you. Um, I-, I do want to say because yeah, throughout the whole movie, you have the score, you have the music, right? And um, 
cuts off the music right when they were about to press the button to test the very first bomb. What I like about that so much, right? Light obviously travels faster than sound, right? So you just see the light yeah. come up, right? And it just shines bright on everyone. And then followed by the sound and the just the power of the bomb. It, it just it, it builds that intensity, right? Because the music, right? Fucking what's his name? Uh, God, uh, just like, you know, build, builds up the music, builds up the music, and then just cuts it off. Yeah. And then you're just like, what? And then just the sound just hits you. And it just, yeah. you felt it. Yeah, I, I personally felt it. Like, I was just like, whoa. Um, but yeah, yeah continue. Um, that, I just love you, that you, thing. You don't get any sound in it until the shockwave hits the, hits the crew. And then you get all the sound back, and it's almost yeah. like, uh, a wave of a wave of just emotion that you see come over everybody there. Yeah. I, I can imagine how uh, how how much euphoria must have been felt in that moment. Uh, on the other end of it, I did tell everybody to watch this, but I know no one did. Uh, <laughs> in the I will, I will. In the documentary on Hiroshima, they do interviews with all of them. They do all of that, and they talked about they do a reenactment and one of the second documentaries on Hiroshima and they describe what the bomb was like. And it's like, it is very much described the way you see it in the film. It's like 30 seconds of blinding light, uh, searing, like searing hot burning of the skin, like any part that wasn't covered by clothes, it just felt extremely hot immediately. Uh, 70,000 people died instantly. Uh, by the by, the end of just Hiroshima, I think it was a hundred, hundred twenty-five thousand, somewhere one hundred twenty-five thousand dead, like right then and there. And then that doesn't even talk about how many died over time through radiation poisoning. Mm -hmm. So the bomb was, I mean, just one credit, one credit to Nolan because you you brought that up, because um, a lot of movies do it. I'm so glad he didn't show like pictures of the real thing. He didn't. He left that. He left reality to be itself. Everybody knows what it is. It's tragic. Nobody, you know, we don't need to bring the, the movie is for the movie. I'm glad he didn't bring any like shots of it, any pictures of the destruction. Like, not that we shouldn't talk about it. We should. We should talk about it to prevent it from ever happening again. But the fact that he didn't play on that and he just let the movie be the movie and he let reality be reality, I appreciated that because I was worried that I was gonna at the, it, during the credits I was gonna get like a montage of just sadness and I was like, I don't want that. Yeah, so, no, it's pretty depressing in its own. And, yeah. I was gonna say I couldn't agree more. I think he let uh, the grief, like through Killian Murphy and the characters, I, I think yeah. that like was the shock of yeah. of what you would have typically seen. But he let it play out through the human performances of just like how devastating. I mean, the movie turns completely like right after the Trinity test. Um, that last hour obviously is a totally different thing, but the whole vibe of the movie, you know, it goes from, okay, they're, they're chasing this. And then after that, it's, it's like a horror movie almost after that, when that scene, especially where he walks out and gives his speech and it's almost like a dream. Like, I wonder, if, I don't know if that was historically accurate or not, if that actually happened, but you have to think that that's how he immediately, you know, he, it seemed like he was tripping or hallucinating because he was just so overcome by like, everything flooding to him you know finally hitting like wow this is this is what we've done this is what i've done and, and yeah no one really like let the characters portray that rather than any montage or and of course it would have been extremely like distasteful too to like all the true to, oh jason's got the, the glasses on too bro we're going for this test it's about to happen um but yeah you 
I think even just the one image he showed, um, which was his daughter, by the way, I didn't know the girl with her like skin, like starting to come off. And when it was like flashing, uh, that was actually Nolan's daughter. But I think like just that one, like haunting image enough was to get the point across. Like, Hey, th this is what happened. People got instantly vaporized. And I know it's horrible to say, but it's just, it's what happened. And, and the way he kind of left it at that was perfect. Um, what did you guys think of the third hour? Cause I see a lot of like, uh, that seems to be the main debate of like people nitpicking and critiquing it. A lot of people loved the last hour because that's where the acting really shines. That's where Robert Downey kills it. That's where Daddy um, Melek comes in. It, it turns into to... almost a drama after that, straight drama. But I loved it. I don't know what you guys thought about it, but I know a lot of people were complaining that it was too slow or just kind of lost steam after that. No, no, no. You need that part to show. You can't just show the build up to the bomb and all, everything that everybody emotionally went through to get that and then not give us a conclusion on that emotion. Mm -hmm. We're just going to end it when, and, and he just created a bomb. No, we have to, how does he feel about it? Do they drop it? Like after they drop it, like, how does he feel? He created this. Like it's, it's very necessary. And then also um, if they don't have that last hour of the movie, then the first hour of the movie yeah, is, is it, it all ties in together. It's very necessary. Yeah. And people that are complaining, if you want to complain that it was too long, that's fine. I get that it was three. It was literally exactly three hours long, but it needed to be that long, to yeah. be honest for him. To, like for, to, he built it up so well, he drops it on us. And then we got to deal with the repercussion and consequences of that. Like you can't just end it there. And it was, it, it's, it's, I think it was perfect. So, yeah. Yeah. As Tommy um, said, it, it is breakneck pace for a movie that that's long. That's that long. They're like they're going through information very fucking quickly. I wanted to touch on what you said, Thomas, about that scene. Uh, to me, it kind of felt like uh, his version of imposter syndrome, like visualized. Like he felt okay. like he didn't deserve what he was getting, and all the all the love that he was getting in that in that auditorium, and that's where you can see it. And when he is waiting to find out when they drop the bomb, you can see where he feels for the first time in the movie. To me where he feels a loss of control. Like he doesn't have control over his situation. Cause he's just sitting there waiting to see what happened. And the bomb is no longer his, he made it. I mean, he, he and his team, obviously, right? they made it, but that's the moment where he realizes like, Oh, this isn't, I don't get, I don't get to know about this. I don't get the privilege to know exactly when it's dropped, what the details are because they don't, they got what they wanted from me. Yeah. In and real life, they actually sent them like a couple of weeks later to the site to to see what happened what the effects of radiation are there uh to go check on people and apparently like all those scientists all, all the people that were there the whole medical team that ended up going to they ended up helping japanese doctors treat people the whole time they were there uh while also gathering samples so i kind of wish they had put that in the movie but there's a lot there's a lot going on in that film so um Another thing that I appreciated a lot that I didn't really pick up on until I saw Nolan talk about it was just like the black and white um, editing. And then, of course, like the real life. Um, I didn't know he stated that the black and white was supposed to represent the more um, the more objective side of like Downey's character of like what was actually happening just objectively. And then when it switches back to color, that's more of Oppenheimer's mind. That's more of like what he's thinking, what he's feeling. Obviously, the cuts of like a. Uh, his emotions and just kind of struggling and suffering. So I thought that was cool. Cause obviously, you know, you pick up that like it's different timelines and stuff, but uh, to know that that's kind of like where 
it's the two characters, different perspectives, more objective with the black and white, more subjective with the with the color. Again, just Nolan. Well, I'm just fanboying over it, but little decisions like that are like what really, to me, elevate it. Um, the whole the whole struggle of a man thing. Um, I thought it was so cool with like Einstein. Um, obviously, being a part of the movie, he was part of history. But if you really, really think about it, um, just that storyline between him and Oppenheimer, um, it, it just breaks down to being great is hard. Um, Einstein, you know, they kind of came at him saying, hey, you know, you figured this out, but this is our time now. You were the greatest scientist of your time. Um, and, you know, he kind of just like takes it or whatever. You know, you're introduced to him. He's literally at Cambridge now just looking at the pond and, and not really being a scientist anymore. And uh, Oppenheimer's number one. And he tells him, he, you know, hey, um, they're going to do to you what they did to me and and they're going to take your invention and, and use it how they see fit it's not really going to be yours anymore um and then it's just cool that it comes full circle at the end and and yeah he's pretty much now in einstein's spot like it's not yours anymore you had your time and and now you're just here the struggle of a great man and, and, and they're just both kind of sitting there with that like that weight of yeah you you can't really do anything with the government taking over with, you know, they yeah, just use you and so yeah, it was just cool. I like that story between them, the parallel of, of the struggle of a genius, you know. Um and I know it's it is what it is, but um yeah, what did you guys think about um one more thing I wanted to ask. Oh yeah, so is uh this may be a biased question, but is Nolan like the goat right now as far as directing goes, or is it someone else? Mm. I would, I would say by, by the movies he's made, I, the only person that I can think of that stands close is Stanley Kubrick, and I would probably put him above Stanley Kubrick. Okay. Eric is probably thinking, why didn't you say Scorsese? I don't, I, I still think he has. I think that's the only one that can like, if you look at their whole filmography, who can still maybe have the edge on him. But I don't know, just my personal bias. Nolan's like nobody's touching him right now. I feel like he's just barely entering like his. His I, true prime, but I, mean, I, I think for me, just past Tarantino. Yeah, yeah. Know, Spielberg has made some amazing fucking films, so I would, I would, it would be Nolan or Spielberg for me. So I'm glad Thomas brought that up because it's been something that's been on my mind. And then I'm just gonna give you this, and then give you my spiel on the movie really quickly. Um, Nolan is probably actively the best out there. Uh, it's it's almost hard to deny when you just go look at his his uh, filmography. But um, I was so glad that this movie, like, there's three things you can expect with a Nolan movie. The sound is going to be out of this world. He's going to have an ensemble cast that crushes, and the timelines are going to interweave. You're never going to, they're just, every movie he makes, timelines interweave. And Thomas said it earlier, this movie is the culmination of him perfecting all of that, all those different aspects in previous movies. He put it all together in one movie. It's not my favorite Nolan movie. My favorite Nolan movie is still Interstellar. It is his best movie, in my opinion. You can They can be different. Um, yeah. I've had this argument with my roommate all the time. The best doesn't have to be your favorite, goddammit. Like, they can yeah. be separate. Uh, but um, to about the movie. Scores, they're going to win for score. They're going to win for cinematography. Um, you said something earlier, Luigi, and I, I'm glad I'm going to bring it back up. The acting for me. Everybody did a great job. Nobody deserves an Oscar nomination. Nobody deserves an Oscar nomination. 
Not enough people. Killian's the only one that had enough screen time because he is the main character, but he did a great job, but it, it, it's not, to me, not Oscar-worthy. Everybody else had limited screen time in a three-hour movie somehow because it happened so fast, I guess, and it not, it's just... I don't personally think anybody should get nominated. The movie, the writing, the directing, sound, all of that's going to get nominated. I don't think any actor should get nominated. Not even Killian? My no. argument. If they nominate Killian, I will respect it. But I, and also it depends on what else comes out, obviously. Yeah, but, I don't know if he'll win, but he does. Yeah, I, I would respect it because he does a phenomenal job. And 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 I, I, this is stupid, but you go and watch Peaky Blinders and you watch this and you can see how great of an actor he is. Right. Yeah. But I think portraying... that's why he's that's a good point. Cause I think that's why he's so good here and deserves it. Is because you see him and you're not like, oh, that's the Peaky Blinders guy. You, yeah, 100%. You, you, think, you think, oh, that's Oppenheimer, bro. Like you don't he yeah. truly embellishes this character and like he has so many great roles, like you're saying. Like I think that's what separates a good actor is you can see them and you don't think, oh, that's X from this movie, or oh, that's you know, when you see the dude that plays Harry Potter, like he's never gonna get a movie again because you're like, oh, that's just Harry Potter. Like, that's yeah. that's why I think he's just so good. He, you're like, oh, that's Oppenheimer. Like, you're almost convinced this is the actual guy. But, did, um, I did can that make sense that though? About no, the that... about like the, they're on the screen a lot, like, they're it's a three hour movie, so there's definitely, but it never feels like their scenes are long enough for it to. It doesn't, it doesn't, it just didn't quite. I can't verbalize it, man. It's driving me crazy, but it just felt like short bursts of acting that, and it never compiled into like what I would I consider you. being Oscar nominated. And that's why I would only put in Emily Blunt and uh, and Robert Downey Jr. in that conversation because they're yeah. the only ones who got enough screen time, in my opinion, mm-hmm. to, to show off the role. But what I will say is if you guys have, I mean, you guys have seen some Oscar winners for best supporting actor and actress. Timing, time in the movie doesn't always matter. Cause did you see Anne Hathaway in Lemmy's? <laughs> yeah, uh, she won the Oscar for that, and it was fucking well deserved. One of the shortest <laughs> screen times ever. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the shortest screen times. And my God, every second she spends on that screen, you're like, huh, huh. Oh my God. So <laughs> I, I, I could say that he, I think they both got more screen time than she did in Lemmy's, and I. I I would say that they kind of. They, I would say they deserve the, they deserve the nod, and you guys may disagree because you guys said you guys are big on Nolan. I love Nolan too, but if I really think about it, I I would say Spielberg is still the goat. Mm. Different style of movies. Time. He had Every, time. what Eric? Just uh, <laughs> yeah, it's time. Yeah, has, it's, just, it's like the movie, you know. He's like, like Spielberg's like Einstein, and um, yeah, fucking uh, Nolan's Oppenheimer. You know, he had his time. He, it's it's his time now. He just <laughs> came out with the Fablemans last year, like, and it wasn't bad. <laughs> it was a good. I mean, movie. let's just go through. Let's just go through his like hits, hits, right? And, and and I don't want you to think about nostalgia. I don't want you to think about how it made you feel as a kid. Fuck all that. Like, <laughs> as a movie, directing, writing, acting, we got Jaws. Okay. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, or whatever that, whatever it is. Great movie. E. Great movie. Right? Uh, all the Indiana Joneses. Uh, the Color Purple. I guess that's when he gets kind of into more serious roles. Yeah. Empire of the Sun. Jurassic Park. I'll give him Schindler's List. That's one of the greatest movies ever made. Um, <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. Ryan. God-awful movie. God-awful movie. You're insane. I don't respect your opinion anymore. What? <laughs> worst, what? worst. 
It's the most overhyped, overloved, worst movie of all time. <laughs> oh my Facts. god! Yeah, Two hours and forty nine minutes of, evil, of a waste why of time. Think, why would I think? Well, I've you? never seen it, but I'd like to watch it just to have an opinion. Just watch no. Barbie again. It's way better. <laughs> yeah, Angelica. Angelica said any um, Oscar noms for Barbie. Um, I'd like to know. No, I don't think so. And you don't just, think so? It's not at all. The movie that they're gonna uh, Oscar nominations is probably like uh, like not not any acting nominations, but yeah, it's gonna get nominations. Oh, it's gonna. And get what then? I think uh, I would say screen either adapted or original screenplay. Original screenplay, adapted screenplay. Barbie. Uh, yeah. Set design, Barbie. costume Greta's, design. Greta's gonna win for writing on that one. Yeah. Yeah, she but, where we are, where we are culturally as a, or where we are as a society, how impactful this is probably going to be for the next hundred years or whatever. I don't want to say hundred years, but it's going to, it clearly touched a lot of people and a lot of, so what I've read is a lot of negativity from men's side, but that's just insecure men who can't take a fucking joke and can't understand that they bring valid points to the table and we got to have a conversation to fix shit. But it's I digress. Too. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's a joke. Like, bro, if the Barbie movie's upsetting you, like, yeah. dude, it's a movie. If any movie's upsetting you, like, just yeah. anyway. But I do think Greta's gonna win for for what would it be? Screenplay, Writ- like written screenplay, or screenplay, yeah. Adapt- yeah, I think she'll win for that. Yeah, I think I, I think she should, and I haven't even seen the movie yet. I don't uh, follow costume like, design? yeah, costume design. I don't really follow like awards like that, so it's kind of curious the opinion because I know that those are typically like male dominated skewed in a lot of ways so like i'm not really expecting barbie to win anything but i'm like curious in your opinions if it could win something if it would win something what would it, it be should win screenplay for me it should win screenplay as of now it's, uh, it's I, w- I would give it screenplay and i would possibly give it costume design uh I, yeah. it just depends on if another movie comes out this year with some crazy badass costumes the thing about the thing about like the the awards that like this these movies could be up for for barbie like a movie like that like the academy and like they're a little more on the side they usually don't like go for movies like barbie or superhero movies or yeah they they have like a certain they they try to they don't like, like comedies movie. yeah they don't like comedy mm. so like i think it'll still break through though and get nominated for director screenplay costume like it'll still it's still gonna get recognition which will be cool because again they usually go for more like prestige movies but uh, I can see both of these movies just, I think. Uh, Original have- song, too. You know I'm, just yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's right. Yeah, because Greta's like. But Pete is going to win, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, see, the Academy loves Greta. Like, so. You're right. I was like, she has traction. Like, I-, I know she has like a good history. I haven't watched many of her Lady things, Bird but- and Little Women. Yeah. Yeah, but she I know that those are, those. right, longstanding, well loved. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think both of these movies will, will honestly do pretty well in the awards award season. It's going to be interesting. I think they could what both like, be nominated for uh, director, both of these directors, probably. What right. I like to Angelica's point is, and, and I'm going based off something she said in her uh, review of, of Barbie, and it's it's uh, Greta and and all these female actresses that are in this movie. Let's say, they, let's say the Oscars, the Academy, whatever you want to call it, they don't nominate this movie for any reason. It's just going to reaffirm some of the messages, but also it's going to validate their work as we don't give a fuck what the Academy says. We still made our movie. We still made over $200 million and we don't give a fuck. 
So it's a yeah. to me it's a win win. Like, who cares if the academy? Who cares if the academy fucking yeah. recognizes your work? The people did, and that's exactly, who matters. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm like that's why I'm like my expectations are low. I'm not gonna expect it. I think it'd be cool, but I don't. I don't expect anything. I agree entirely. Yeah. To piggyback on to piggyback on your point, Eric, I think that made me so happy about this movie too. Is like obviously, you know, like if we like Nolan, we want him to do well, especially after Tenet didn't, didn't do so well. But the fact that like a three-hour biop, like just kind of like drama movie in the middle of the summer, like cracked a hundred mil is just so cool to see. Because again, it's like this isn't what the studio execs want. Like you normally, it's not your typical like summer blockbuster. But the fact that like it just did so well, smashed all like expectations. It's cool to see. Because again, it's not like a Hollywood movie, but it's a movie that like the people want to see and it's something different. It's not just another fifth sequel to something. It's, it's, it's cool. Cause again, they, they, the studios tend to follow what the trend is. Obviously that's why we got all these superhero movies. That's why we get, you know, whatever's trendy at the moment, but I'm hoping that overall these two movies kind of show them like, Hey, you know, the people want something fresh. They want like, let's give these directors a little more creative Liberty. Let's give them like the chance, the budget, and the people want to see that because, again, like we the whole reason we do these shows and like movies or whatever, it's because it's, it's something we're looking for something like these two movies. So I just hope this kind of like starts a trend where they don't necessarily have their recipe of what's successful. They see that these two movies were massively successful and they hopefully give, you know, creativity comes back because movies, you know. That's that's what we need to keep pushing forward, and I feel like both of these movies did exactly that. So it's just it's super cool to see. Yeah, and uh, I see a message in our chat. Uh, Angelica, would you be happy to see a Barbie sequel? That's a tough question. If I'm being a hundred percent honest, no, I'm too scared. I don't think it's worth it. I'm like, I don't want to ruin perfection. It's hard to get like a dumb and dumber too. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't yeah. happen. So I'm like, I would kind of <laughs> love to just have it in its little bubble. Yeah. Maybe a little a cameo here and there. We love that. That's cute. Yeah. Just not another movie, I don't think. I asked because Thomas brought it up. You know, it's the first time we've seen a non-Marvel, non-superhero, non-bullshit movie like at the top of the box offices like this. Uh, minus uh, Tom Cruise because Top Gun... Uh, Maverick last year actually was the highest grossing movie, but um, uh, with the success Barbie had, you know somebody in Hollywood's like, yo, gonna want to do, do a this number again. two. Yeah. But I'm hoping does it ruin that the integrity of it? I think it. I don't know. I mean, let's say they found an even better. Like, let's say they did it 110 percent, even better. But I I know a lot of the like like I know Issa Rae when she was doing like a backstage kind of interview they were saying like what were what are you like anti what are you not looking for and she's like honestly intellectual property so the barbie movie was an exception for her so i'm not feeling like she would sign up a second time margot robbie same thing i'm like i don't think she's she's got harley quinn she's done that space before i'm i'm not feeling like she'd do it again ryan gosling like i don't know what if that was a lucky performance what if he doesn't do it the same you know what i mean like what if the pressure's too high and he can't you know like fulfill the same expectations we might have of him like i kind of like how perfect in a bubble this is right now i would be scared i would have faith but i would be scared if a sequel came out yeah i agree like i think the the whole reason this movie was so good is because nobody knew what to expect nobody yeah 
nobody knew if they could really put together like a Barbie movie that satisfied everybody. You know, there's just so many unknowns. Like people were like, what the fuck? And yeah, I think that's part of the novelty of what made all this so great. The performances, yeah, to, to replicate it would be tough. Yeah, and the movie on its own just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't not necess- it doesn't necessarily not lend to a sequel, but it doesn't really lead into one yes. at all. It's like, very it's, not, it's yeah. not sending you to a sequel, but everybody's going to be trying to get them to yeah. make one. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Maybe we don't could do have it. Spielberg directed Eric. Oh my god, dude! Don't don't see now. You got to bring some patriarchal bullshit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, but uh, I, I I know you're gonna ask, uh, and I want to give this because uh, I know we're at like two eleven already. But uh, nine point five for Oppenheimer, best movie he's ever made. Second favorite, second favorite Nolan movie for me. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna redo my Barbie and give it the eight point six that I wanted to give it, um, and then I'm gonna give Oppenheimer a nine point. It's like I I don't really have anything to complain about with Oppenheimer. Like uh, 9.5, just because, like, I don't know what a perfect movie looks like. So I'll just say 9.5. So <laughs> I found one complaint with Oppenheimer. Rami well, Malek's character. It just felt like movie? it felt like he was just reaching. To, he was just wanted to put him in the movie to put him in the movie. <laughs> like, it just yeah. it just felt like, why? Why? Why is he in this? But, you know, whatever. Hopefully it's like a like how Killian was in earlier Nolan movies that eventually he'll get that main role and it was just getting him in here to get him in here type of thing. Yeah, I like that. See, how well, that came in, the only reason he came out in that movie was because it was a Nolan film. He, was, he said he was going to uh, marriage counseling with his wife and he said he was going to take a break from acting unless Nolan called. And sure enough, Nolan called. So he, we're not going to see him in, in movies for a little bit. That felt like an attack on his wife. Why did he reach out to him for a lame part? (laughs) (laughs) It ruined his marriage. (laughs) Well, to be fair, I'm just kidding. That thing comes out in it quite a bit, you know. (laughs) Oh no, I'm excited to see the movie. It seems really good. It's it's fantastic. It's fantastic. I I would say the only reason Barbie goes down into the eights is because it's just more uh, more campy comedy. So sometimes the jokes don't hit. The jokes don't hit sometimes, so it kind of brought it down for me. Oppenheimer was very much auteur work, which I'm just shocked that people like that much. So that was great to see. Thomas, what are you giving, my friend? Bro, you know what I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. This is my Barbie. This is uh, my dream as a Nolan fan to see a movie this good. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, man, I feel like I've already said enough about it. 10 out of 10. Um, these are the rare type of movies that I feel like I won't feel like a movie about, feel like a movie, feel about a movie like this for a long time. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a 10, man. It's something that I could, I'm still thinking about it like a week later, just like, damn, that was, that was a masterpiece. So I'm, I'm going to leave it I know at the it. feeling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I give it a <laughs> probably like the highest score that I have given uh, 9.6. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my favorite scene was the, the ending scene with uh, um, so good. Oppenheimer and uh, Einstein. Just like the impact that they know that they had in that conversation and like how Robert Downey Jr. thought they were talking about him. And like, yeah. you know, just classic fucking Nolan. Like, 
made a conversation look like, oh, it's totally something fucking different. So, yeah. um, Aaron Reich pretty much saying, or maybe they were talking about something much more important. And it's just a dig at, at Strauss, which is Robert Downey Jr.'s yeah, character. His ego. Yeah. It was, oh man, it was, it was so well done. So well done. Every yeah. scene is just like so specifically perfectly made in that film. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty yeah. good. That's all I can say about that. His my editor. Preliminary, my preliminary rating is an 8.5. Okay. I feel like, I feel like it's a little long, right? So <laughs> that it, it, it doesn't feel like it. It goes quick. It, it, it sounds like it's a little scary. <laughs> I, I don't love that, but I do love science and engineering and I, I like that. I almost I can appreciate three hours for something that's like well explained. That's I, I like that you said you. it's scary because it's like scary. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's it's like you can it's it's intense. It's yeah, it's anxiety. It's it's yeah. It's not a horror film, but there's some there's. Some I mean, it's heavy. Yeah, 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 and it's real, right? So it's like, oh fuck, you know there's, what I mean? I don't know. That's yeah. heavy. That's heavy. That'll get me in a loop an existential <laughs> crisis 100 percent. oh you're gonna you're gonna walk out of this one a little shook then but yeah i'm yeah i i can appreciate it i like a good a good movie like that knock yeah. me on my feet what i will say is that's what would make it difficult to rewatch. is just like how often yeah. you have three hours you know what i'm saying yeah um but that being said uh any 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 more thoughts on oppenheimer any more thoughts on Barbie? Okay, yeah, I'm really really watching right. both guys. Watching both. Barbenheimer is real. Uh, we appreciate you guys coming and watching. We appreciate Eric, Tom, and Angelica coming in for an episode, a a big episode for us because we talked quite a bit about those two films. So thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, Jason, do you have any shoutouts? No, I'm gonna keep it short, man. Just thank you to all the listeners. Love you guys, and uh, we'll, we'll can't wait to catch you next week. Uh, was probably uh, are you guys gonna are you guys gonna watch Talk to Me this weekend? I want to, man, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll give it a shot. I heard it's a really good scary movie. So yeah, let's let's do it. Twenty four. So I'm gonna oh, have yeah. to see what that is. I don't know if I've seen what that is. So you just hey. may have given me a tip. I know I'm seeing Haunted Mansion family you know that's how i do but uh all right i'm gonna we're gonna head out of here guys we love you we appreciate you we'll see you next week for another episode of revenge of the pod peace out guys